What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So there are repercussions for other people depending on what someone says with, with regards to this particular thing. And so my, my fundamental question is words, I mean words generally, but let's just take men, female, female, he, she, who and where does the truth lie? We back. What's up, dude? Happy Thanksgiving, it's been a long everybody. Time since I saw you. Yes, we can reminisce, but we have to get into it before people drop off. Oh no, I watch time. <laughs> I watch. Panic. Time. So, do you want to start? I have a ton. Go for it. Of stuff, dude. Where do I even begin? We haven't talked in like two weeks. I'll start with revisiting something we discussed last episode, which was the college student loan forgiveness. Uh, I think that there were, there were a handful of people that disagreed, which I understand because as I was reflecting on the way that I described it, I was like, I didn't, I didn't my take was not as uh, concise as it could have been. Uh, and I think that one of the things that that helps clarify the most what I'm trying to say is, as I was thinking about it, is that as soon as you started talking about debt cancellation or forgiveness, it's like, of course, <laughs> like, I love forgiving. <laughs> like, I love canceling. And it made me think of that book where they talk about the death tax versus the estate tax. Mm -hmm. Because what's actually happening with student loan debt cancellation is student loan debt reassignment. <laughs> it doesn't go away. It doesn't get forgiven and we don't kumbaya. Somebody else pays for it. Mm -hmm. Now, you can make an argument that that should be borne by rich people because they can afford it. And you can make an argument that society will benefit if its younger workers are not saddled with ton of debt and that it won't wind up being a zero-sum game. But without getting too deep into it, because we did discuss it last time. I thought this was my whole thesis. Was if you're going to spend, I'm making a number up, but mm -hmm. if you're going to spend $2 trillion to help the populace of the U.S., there's just better uses for it than paying people's student loans. Because that's what debt forgiveness is. It's the government paying for your student loan. Well, this is it. It's not the government. It's other people. <laughs> this is this is the point that I don't think we made as clearly as we could have. Oh, I'm, but I'm just saying like every time the government pays for something, it's other people. Yes, so but I think say, we forget that. I think, And especially when it's like a loan forgive, it's like a government loan and we forgive it. It's like, no, no, no. 
yeah, your sure. neighbor who didn't go to college. Everyone who pays taxes <laughs> yes. gives the government their money, and then the government uses the populace's money. Yes. What I'm saying is like the government does have that money. Let's say there's no tax changes, no mm -hmm. raises, no lowers. Okay, so they have a pool of money, and their goal is to help the United States of America and the people that live there. Mm -hmm. And they have $2 trillion set aside. And you you can pick anything that this goes to. I wouldn't pick paying off university loans. It just seems completely arbitrary. That doesn't take into account people's situations, where they're at in mm -hmm. life, what got them there. So that's my whole argument. It's like, well, let's, let's spend $2 trillion to make people's lives better. But I wouldn't do this. I would do it based mm -hmm. on something else that seemed more helpful and fair. Yeah, no, the the I don't, we don't want to talk about it for too long unless other people want to comment. We can dive back into it. But I was just reflecting on the way that I talked about it. Hmm. And I was critical of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for saying that people just want others to suffer. And then somebody, which I, I understand why they thought this, thought that when I later said I paid for it, that that was me saying I suffered, therefore you have to suffer. And that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. What that's I'm so saying funny. is I, that- Wait, this is how we started the whole conversation was I said that AOC said the thought process was I suffered so other people have to suffer. Well, I don't, I don't not, think we were as clear as we could have been, obviously. how I started. I said, this is not the case. Yes, that's but not then- the, That's a straw man. That's not a steel man. But then we said we did it and didn't make- oh, I didn't say make, we did it. Or I said I did it and didn't make extremely clear that it's not like it's a hazing thing where it's where I was hazed and I want other people to be hazed because I was. It's, uh, I don't want to pay for other people's decisions Let's say because it's a, a zero-sum game and you have to reassign the debt. Let's say there's an upper-middle-class guy who goes to school, gets student loans, and doesn't take into account that his career will have to pay for them, wants to be a writer, mm -hmm. tries to become an author, and now he is stuck with his loans for 40 years because the pay that he gets as an author is low relative to the loans he took out. Mm -hmm. There's a lower-class person someone who was born in poverty, let's say, who decided to become a laborer of some kind, a plumber or a carpenter, trades, yeah. so that they didn't have to get student loans, but they were born into a worse circumstance. But now, because of their decisions, they don't have student loans. Why would we help the guy whose parents make a million dollars a year, who has the financial safety net, who chose to be an author because he'll never have to worry about hunger and not help the person who made decisions because he had the foresight to think about student loans. Well, you don't even need to bring in, I actually think it confuses the argument where they came from. But the second part is this person had the benefit of going to college. <laughs> like they need to pay for, for that experience. Now, it's totally reasonable. And Jake Tran made an interesting video on it that was about the college loan business and how it started. And I think makes a very good point that the reason that college prices, and I don't know if this is 100% true, so you can fact check me, but that he asserts the reason that the college prices are so high is because they're backed by federal loans and yeah, you've artificially inflated the demand for this thing. And I think to myself, I'm like, no one was going to give me a loan <laughs> to go do this. Uh, and if they did, they'd want to know what major I took. It wouldn't be they wouldn't just hand out loans willy nilly to the kid who took a philosophy no, major. If it ran like regular businesses, you'd go, OK, so here's your background. Mm -hmm. You have a high SAT score, you have good grades in high school. You want a loan. OK. Where are you going to go to college? Where yeah. have you been accepted? What's your major? What are your career goals? Okay, mm -hmm. you're going to Harvard to do econ. I will loan you $200,000. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're going to a college that I have not heard of, but is extremely high priced because it's on the beach in Southern yeah. California <laughs> and you want to be a sculpture major. Yeah. I will not lend you 200. I might lend you $10,000. I'm not going to lend you $200,000. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. Like you would 
take each person case by case based on their circumstances, their collateral, their mm -hmm. family wealth, their uh, future earnings projections. But you don't have to do that when the debt is just inescapable. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. you can't go bankrupt to escape it, when you can't you can't die to escape it. Student loans are insane in that way. And and while it would like I would like that because because I, I relate. I was seventeen and had no idea of debt and what it meant to owe a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> and I found out very quickly. And they're also like, don't worry about paying it. This is the other thing. They let you go to grad school and defer. Mm -hmm. Thanks, guys. I yeah, appreciate yeah. that. One more year, fifty thousand additional dollars that I owed. The way that the way that mine worked out is I had a scholarship. So I actually for my first four years was only racking up like thirteen thousand dollars worth of debt that was with a full academic scholarship they force you to live in student housing hmm. which is ridiculously expensive you're living in a tiny little dorm room with another person in the same little square and it's thirteen hundred dollars a month in the suburbs of washington dc which is just a crime in any event but the fact that i was able to defer my loans out a year encouraged me and in fact i elected to take out an additional fifty thousand dollars of loans so I don't, it sucks. And and there's this predatory lending that is occurring to people that do not know what they're getting into. I can 100% relate to that. Uh, but I don't think the answer is to reallocate that debt to somebody that didn't make that decision. I'm not sure what the answer is, but it also, I think, includes subjecting colleges to market forces in yeah. a way that they're not. They are also, I, I, again, I have to double check this, but in the Jake Tran video, he talks about how colleges are uh, tax exempt their endowments are tax exempt, all of this stuff, and they call them endowments as opposed to hedge funds, which is really what they are because yeah, yeah. these are investment vehicles for these colleges, especially the biggest ones that have billions of dollars. I did grad school at University of Virginia. I believe when I graduated years ago, they had like $9 billion under management, and they called me as soon as I graduated for more money. Yeah, I don't actually <laughs> know what they use the endowments for. Uh, to make more money, yeah. I don't know. Like, but, but to what end? Like, yeah, I, I actually don't understand what. Yeah. why colleges do have hedge funds because they it's, do. It's, they, they call them endowments, but they're they're just hedge funds, and I don't really understand why. Yeah, or I mean, what they're for. Well, it's not to reduce the cost of schooling. It appears, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or to like to. I, I, it's unclear to me. So, in any event, I don't want to spend too much time there because we already talked about that. But just. The one thing that that I was thinking about is that book, the death ta the death tax versus the estate tax. It yeah. lists very different responses from people, and I think rather than debt cancellation, it should be called debt reallocation or debt reassignment. Um, yeah, and the last thing I'll say is, I if if the plan that took the two trillion dollars ended up distributing some money to people who then did use the money to pay off student loans, I'm fine with that too. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that's the worst use of money. Mm. Just that we should take into account that there were people who did avoid student loans so they wouldn't be put in a bad situation. Yeah. And it seems weird to not consider them for the $2 trillion. Well, this, this is what happened with the, uh, what is it? I always get PPP and PPE confused. When the initial round of government stimulus was given, mm -hmm. uh, we have purposefully set up a business where we don't spend all of our money, mm -hmm. where we do not run on razor thin margins and take all of the excess and blow it into ads because in the event of a crisis, we didn't want to sink. Mm -hmm. We were actually penalized for that when this stimulus went out because we could have benefited from that riskier growth. And then, oh, oh no, we can't pay our employees. Well, guess what? You get a loan interest-free, potentially forgivable from the government. Mm -hmm. So what all of these, again, we know this with corporate, but it's also true of individuals. When you 
there are times that bailouts are necessary because the catastrophic effects of it are just like, okay, well, that's economy slash world ending. But what you do is you incentivize when you bail someone out the exact behavior that got them into that sticky situation. Yeah. And so I remember sitting with you and being like, we're fucking morons. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Look at us. Like, like we put aside, we have a slush fund of two to three months of employee uh, salaries that we yeah, can, so we can give if we money. make no money. We, we can pay our employees, anyone. but why? Why yeah. not just run that crazy? I could spend well, that on my lifestyle or on ads or on anything else because the government apparently loves people that don't save. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's a weird thing with with public companies because if you do share, if you take your money and do share buybacks, then the price of your shares go up. The price of your shares go up. You're the CEO. You get rewarded. What that means is there's entire industries that know that they cannot handle a downturn. The but, airlines, but they yeah. know that the government will bail them out if they have no money, as long as they have no money. Mm -hmm. So if there were a responsible airline, they would not do share buybacks. They would put money away for a rainy day and their stock would trail all the other airlines and their CEO would be fired and replaced with someone who yep. would do share buybacks. And then when, let's say it didn't happen in the CEO state, when there was a massive crisis, they would use their cash to pay their people, but the airlines just get free money from, from the government, government. <laughs> to pay their people. And this is so what happened. So there is no penalty. It's in, in fact, if you look at it, the incentives create exactly what you would expect, which is that it's it's almost logical if you just don't care about the guilt of taking money mm -hmm. from the government in a bailout to blow all your money on share buybacks and drive your stock price as high as possible so that you can exit at a high price. Because if anything bad happens, the government is just going to give you money to make up for your aggressive behavior. And when we say the government, again, it's 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 your neighbors are going to give you that money. Yeah, we you all know? Do. Everyone we, who pays taxes, everyone, everyone who pays taxes has has that doesn't own airline stock or Dude, run have, an airline. We have all if any of you have paid taxes ever, you have supplemented the income of a eight figure CEO of an airline or a financial institution. That's and, what this means. And at, the, at some level of, and, and some of this, I'm not anti. You've, you've also supplemented the income of the uh, single mother who was on a shoestring budget who, who got laid off and then collected a $1,200 stimulus. And that's, that's a piece that I am okay with. Like there's, there's financial hardship, which I and many others could look at and go, you know what, this is going to happen and we need to make sure that this isn't catastrophic. For sure. But we also don't want to incentivize that type of well, behavior. I mean, yeah, it's too, I'm not against taxes or redistribution of wealth, but I'm saying specifically, if the government came out and said, hey, airline industry, just as a heads up, there will never be another bailout for you. Mm -hmm. And if you guys go bankrupt, we will allow someone else to buy your airplanes for 10 cents on the dollar and run a different airline. Because people think that if an airline company went bankrupt, we wouldn't be able to fly. Like I just flew home to yeah, see yeah. my family for Thanksgiving. It's like, you couldn't do that without the airlines. But if an airline company goes bankrupt, they don't just get all their planes into a hangar and then throw TNT at them to yeah, create yeah. an explosion. They sell them for as much as they can mm -hmm. get. So all the flights would still be the same. If we did have a government that said, hey, just so you guys know, no bailouts are ever coming your way, you would see two things. Some people would believe it and they would start putting cash aside for the first time ever mm -hmm. because the incentives were different. And some people wouldn't believe it. They would go bankrupt and then they would be replaced by different airline companies yeah. so it's weird if you if you did say these bailouts are going to stop the system would fix itself but it's tough because you need someone or some system in the government to come out and be like hey just so you guys know the rules change today you've been acting in a way that makes total sense given the way the rules have been set up but starting today jan 1 2021 
the rules are changed. And mm-hmm. you'd immediately see different behavior. Mm-hmm. If if it were believed, of course. Or not. Half yeah. would believe it and half wouldn't. And those half would be gone. The next <laughs> downturn, they'd just be gone. You see, yeah. you would see uh, American Airlines would be replaced by US, U- USA Airlines. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Someone would come in. But there's a so you mentioned going home for COVID. You're a monster. Um, yeah. I got tested. <laughs> I got tested. I paid extra. I got tested for COVID. This is part of why I think that there's a COVID spike now. It's because people with no symptoms get tested before they go home. Well, there's also so apparently deaths, but I, we can talk about the, uh, my inability to, to believe the news, which has hit complete new highs, I would say, in the last seven yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. But just one thought that I had regarding coronavirus and, and the reaction to it is that so the whole reason that we shut down the economy is to save lives of people that would die, mm-hmm. and especially because... It's a communicable disease. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, like six to 700,000 people die every year of heart disease. They don't have to. An additional, I don't know how many hundred thousand die of diabetes. They don't have to. But we allow the freedom to eat sugar and be completely unhealthy because mm-hmm. that's a very personalized decision. Though it obviously does have effects on the number of hospital beds that are taken in any given thing. Yeah. Is there going to be heart? Are you trying to hop in? Well, no, I was just going to say, which I agree with. I mm-hmm. like that policy. Mm-hmm. I think now I do think there should be a rule like if you have what can be concluded as a self-induced uh, condition that mm-hmm. you shouldn't get Medicare or Medicaid, maybe like, mm-hmm. the, the, again, because when the government helps you, it's literally just taking from your neighbors that if mm-hmm. I decide to do heroin and snort sugar and I end up unhealthy, I don't think you guys should have to pay for my health. Well, I think but, I think what you can argue, and let's say that you don't like that, is that we're better off paying for your recovery. You know what I mean? That, that there is, as a society, there are people that will decide to do heroin. And what will we do with them? Well, we don't want to execute them. They will live on your streets. So maybe we're all better off just going, you know what? Let's find a recovery center for these type of people to, to try to reintegrate them back into society. Oh, for sure. But I'm just saying, let's say that I'm above the middle class, right? Because mm-hmm. I understand that sometimes when you don't have money, it's not an option. But let's say that I am I make a million dollars a year and all I eat are Big Macs mm-hmm. and I'm very, very unhealthy and I go to the hospital all the time, but I pay out of pocket for all my bills. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Like I, think, I don't think anyone has a requirement to try to live as long as possible. And if I mm-hmm. die at 55 with a smile on my face, like that's behavior that I'm comfortable with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, even though I think the sugar industry maybe in the advertising to kids like seven-year-olds with <laughs> cereal mm-hmm. is bad i think like informed adults killing themselves with a bad diet is actually totally fine sure. as long as it doesn't hurt sure uh society so and, and i'm just trying to like tease out why we have the lockdown because okay people it's not even going to be close to the number one cause of death in 2020 not mm-hmm. even going to be close it's going to be heart disease again you know all-time winner for the last 50 yeah, yeah, 60 yeah. years the champ <laughs> diabetes and heart champ. Disease. sugar is essentially killing more people in the u.s unquestioned but we allow that and we mm-hmm. don't lock down the economy and we don't block everybody because that's a personal decision. OK, so it's a communicable disease. It's it, that's why we have to shut it down, because it's one that can spread rapidly and, and kill other people. Well, presumably in 2020, with the lockdowns and mask mandates and you can't go out into public, we'll see a dip in deaths from other respiratory diseases like pneumonia, like the flu, like uh, when the cold kills people with with uh depressed immune systems and we should be able to track that number of people that we save in 2020 Mm -hmm. and that will be some percentage of the lives that we saved from the lockdown of coronavirus 
Now, if you look at the numbers of respiratory deaths, and I, I quickly looked at this, it's something like 220,000 a year. And this, this isn't all communicable diseases. This is just respiratory deaths. There might be other ones that spread that I'm unaware of. And coronavirus right now is at like 280. So you're looking at 220 in a full year of coronavirus. Maybe you're at around 350. Who knows how many lives we saved? But the point is, in 2020, we've saved some number of lives with the lockdown from coronavirus and some percentage of them from pneumonia and other things that we accept every year. Mm -hmm. So will we in 2021 have the same percentage of lockdown restriction in order to save those lives that die every year of pneumonia and the cold and the flu? Or once this novel virus goes away, will we be completely comfortable with the fact that shaking hands literally kills people <laughs> every single yeah. year? And it's weird to me that, and I, it's not weird, I totally get it, that part of what made a shutdown with coronavirus is, of course, the infection rate and the death rate, which is higher than some of these other things. And But part of it is the novelty. Well, and I think the first shutdown, part of it was the unknown. Yes. Which is to say, we don't actually know anything about this. So at the time, it wasn't, we didn't have all the CDC data that we now have. We, it was just like, we have, this thing is here. It spreads faster than any other flu. We don't know about the long-term effects. We don't know about the deaths. So we're going to lock down while we figure it out. I think that made total sense, mm -hmm. honestly. Like, we have no idea if this is a plague. It doesn't seem like there's been an update where people dove into the data to figure out what it was, if that makes sense. We just yep. still have that plague mindset. Some people, some people have <laughs> think it's nothing. And, yeah. uh, you know, they think there's extremes on both sides. But no, I, I think the first lockdown and a potential re-lockdown should be viewed very differently. Because I think when you're in week one of a pandemic and you don't understand anything about the virus, you should be conservative. And I think we're when you're a year in and you have data, you should make a data-driven decision. Yeah. That's impossible in March 2020. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it makes that, that first lockdown, I agree. I guess what I'm saying is if we accept the argument that the continued lockdowns are necessary to save lives of a communicable disease that we do not yet have immunization for, then one also has to accept that that same pattern is going to persist into future years. Call it COVID one, right? Yeah. That's the, the flu, the whatever. Not everybody's going to get that has access to immunization. Not everybody's going to do it. We have people. It it uh, increasingly affects people with depressed immune systems and the elderly. All of the same things are in place to a smaller degree. So my question would be, what restrictions that we have now, because it, it is clearly so important to save lives and we can't shake hands or go outside, do you want to take into 2021? It doesn't have to be the full kit and caboodle, mm -hmm. but- it needs to be proportionate, one would think, if one is principled about the attempt to save lives from the communicable disease. You know what's interesting? I I think there's there's a generalization that's not going to be true that I'm going to use here, which is that people in cities tend to be Democrats. Mm -hmm. People not in cities tend to be Republicans. And people who are Democrats tend to take COVID fairly seriously. People who are Republicans tend to take it less seriously. Now, there's definitely tens of thousands of exceptions to that. I'm just using it as like a high level rule because I noticed it when I went to visit my parents. Life in the suburbs <laughs> is not very impacted. Yeah, Life in rural areas, not particularly impacted. Like if you live with a yard and a big area and your community is 10 people, let's say, you just bubble up. And even my grandparents who live, I have one grandma lives alone, one grandma lives in a community. We went and saw them we, and we just stayed eight feet apart with masks. 
Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. You know what I mean? We just drove over to this person's house, hung out in their yard. No other humans came by because it's a yard on private property. And I talked to my, you know, fairly old grandmothers. When you live in a city, that is, it's impossible not to interact mm-hmm. with people. Yeah. You just do. Every day when you walk on the sidewalk, someone is within six feet of you. And so it's interesting to me that the Democrats who tend to be city-based are so uh, strongly pro-lockdown sometimes. Are you Democratic news stations? Would you say Democrat voting people in the cities? Because my experience talking to people, my neighbors around me, is that they are not in lockstep with Democratic that, news Maybe stations. that's true. Yeah, maybe it's the Democratic leaders, and we talked about this already. How They, don't they live in the suburbs. Own, well, they don't even follow their own guidelines. No, they don't. Listen, Gavin Newsom just came out with it. Do not go. Don't go anywhere. We're in complete violation right here of, of this order. Uh, we have people from two different households in a place, and this is a non-essential thing. He lives in the suburbs, man. Yeah. He, he hasn't. Uh, has barely. So maybe that's had it. Maybe the newscast. Maybe the newscasters and the governors live in the suburbs because the sub, yes. sub locking down is. Uh, no man, I know not a big deal when you live in a remote area. There's very. Less a big deal. I want to diminish. I know it, a lot but. of liberal people. Obviously, we live in downtown California area. Yeah, it's you know? the most liberal city and the most liberal. They're state. not into the no restaurant thing. The yes. news stations love it, but your local people, no. There's a huge divide there. I think between what. The and I actually like this because I kind of I see it as well. So what you're saying is that the leadership are no longer representing the people's will. How many governors live in the downtown area of their city? I would or mayors rather. So you said so the mayor. So like mayor, the mayor of L.A., Mayor Garcetti, he just came out with a strong. He doesn't live in K-Town, dude. Well, no, but let's, let's, <laughs> let's take it further, though. He has switched from representing the desires of his people to paternalistic, doing what he thinks is best for his people. But you think yeah. if there was a vote in L.A., lockdown or not lockdown, you think everyone would just be like, dude, oh, Democratic? open up. Democratic? Yeah. Popular oh, my vote. God. It Popular would be vote. open up. You, it wouldn't. The Whatever the news station said wouldn't matter. It would 100%. I would put a lot of money on that. Okay. Speaking of mayors, I just have to say, hilarious story about the uh, Austin mayor. Yeah. Who was who was in Cabo for his daughter's like wedding post getaway and made a video from Cabo telling people not to leave the home if they could help it. Yeah, <laughs> it's freaking amazing. It just doesn't stop, man. Hits keep coming with this kind of stuff. No, yeah, it is. It's so interesting. You have me fascinated by this concept. So, yeah, so the the leadership, the local government is making rules that they don't follow. We saw that with Garcetti. We saw or not Garcetti. We saw that with Newsom. Newsom. Nancy Pelosi, the Austin mayor. There's a people, ton. There was another one in are, Santa Monica that that and and they technically, to be clear, they oftentimes are following the letter of the law. They're like, well, the the red lockdown that I voted for doesn't go into place until tomorrow, which is why I went to the restaurant today because it's the last day that I can. Right. Which is like, well, isn't it just as terrifyingly deadly today? And aren't you just as likely to kill a waiter today as you might be tomorrow? I don't understand yeah, your yeah. lack of fear based on the way that you're voting interesting so they they are putting lockdowns in that the people don't want that if it were a prop on a ballot they would vote against and they themselves skirt them to the best of their ability meaning that they don't appear with their actions to be scared of dying themselves they follow the letter of the law in almost every case to mm-hmm. be clear like when gavin newsom was at that restaurant well he was inside but he was in a different county right right he was he was able well, to go to napa valley think that being in that situation is life threatening. No, but he bans it for other people. I think he would be afraid to go skydiving, <laughs> which is pretty safe. I don't think his heart raced when he entered in that room. He was like, 
okay, yeah, yeah. here we go. <laughs> I'm going to sit down now. So interesting. Yeah. So why do we have them at all? Just a, just a general sense that well, no. that's what they should do? So this is the question that I asked, and I don't know the answer. Do you want your leaders to have skin in the game? When you have a general of an army, should he have a son on the front line? Mm -hmm. Is that going to make him make better or worse decisions? I don't know the answer. And you can definitely make an argument that you want a benevolent leader separate from the hard decisions that they have to make for what is best for everyone else. But that person needs to be at a level of consciousness and understanding and empathy that is really impressive. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they don't technically have to have skin in the game, but if not, they need to be a genius of understanding empathy and systemic effects of their decisions. Yeah. Which I, I don't know who is. <laughs> like that's, is, that's, that's a tall order. It also is funny to just watch how Cor not corrupt. I don't know what the word is, but so I just saw, I noticed in the lockdowns that there's so much restricted, but definitely not protests, political protests, <laughs> and definitely not religious gatherings. Yeah, this is so and funny. it's just like, are we scared or not? Are we saving lives or not? No, because it's a power it's thing. Exactly. This it's is what a I'm power saying. thing. Like you're, you want to make this happen, but you're not so concerned about saving lives that you're willing to upset the church or upset Black Lives Matter. Yeah. You're like working within a framework of like not getting blowback. And I just thought it was interesting because no gatherings of 10 or more. But if you have a thousand person protest or 500 people in a mega church. Well, you can't be in a mega church outside. Sure. Yeah. Outside at a, I'm just saying a 500. Yeah. People 500 people the, gathering. Totally cool. Yeah. Totally fine. And we'll get out there with you. And, and so one of the funniest things that I'm considering is like, I like to take walks. That is now not essential. You are not allowed in LA according- uh, a walk to nowhere? No, I don't know. You can't I, I know, bird. I saw you can't bird. You can't walk, and allegedly it was going to be vigorously enforced in LA County, according to Garcetti. So I take a walk. You can play tennis. Can I take a protest walk? <laughs> can I? Yeah, for sure. Can I? Can I protest that decision by myself? Yeah, just say it's a political protest. This is a this is a faith based political walk. <laughs> well, like I said, I when yeah, when I listen to the news, I I we're not listened. When I googled the news and read it, I was nervous that this was going to be a huge deal because to your point for people who don't know there's a strong vigorously enforced stay-at-home uh, order that's what they LA, said they right? just said it last night but yeah. then I, I read the full press release from the mayor and i was like this doesn't really stop anything that i was doing so i don't know how much of it is just thunder. taking a walk you're not allowed to go strolling it, it, you're not allowed to get on a you have to be going somewhere like that is deemed essential and taking a walk i don't think is deemed essential i think it is because you can go for a jog you can just say it's an exercise walk is that essential yeah great what if it's a slow then what is i don't understand that's what stuff. i'm saying it was like it was a lot of thunder with no lightning when i read the thing i think it's meant to i think it's meant to just allow them to heavily find people that are doing things that are absurd that you yeah. would look at and be like Okay, they're having a forty-person barbecue during a lockdown. Yeah. Now we can give them a thousand dollars. Now they're fine. clearly falling within this. This. Boundary. I think that's all it was. Yeah. I think it was like if you had, if you told most people, hey, during a lockdown, should you be doing this thing, like having forty people come hang out in a pool in your backyard? Yeah. Like, no, probably not during a lockdown. It's like okay, well, before we couldn't penalize them, and now we can fine them a thousand dollars. Got it. Well, let's let's change gears. I have a lot of random stuff. Did you see Trump's forty-five minute speech on election yeah, fraud? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Uh, was shocked because I continually, as it was going up and the views were counting, I kept typing Donald Trump into Google and there was no coverage. Now, maybe this morning there is, but I was blown away that it didn't get picked up faster. Now, maybe that that has since occurred. 
I don't know. Because I think that some people like CNN just said they're not going to cover it because it's mm-hmm. propaganda, which I don't know how one defines propaganda. But uh, I thought it was interesting that he's still fighting the election results mm-hmm. like, hard, like with a strongly worded 45 minute speech. Yeah. Well, where I've landed and I, is on all of this is, I, of course, I don't know. I don't know if there's fraud yeah, in yeah. Pr- prior elections. I wasn't there. I don't know if there's fraud in this election. I don't know. Of course, I don't know. And the battle is over the frequency with which you can just assert claims that people really will not check. Mm-hmm. Baseless voter fraud. No grounds. Absurd. You know, um, they just the eye rolling is the is the best argument of the side that doesn't want him to be president. And, you know, his is just well, we saw it in Michigan. We saw it here. It's just a volume of, of complaints uh, with with like no, almost no one participating in any evidence-based yeah, that was investigation. My, that was my takeaway. I was like, because I try to, I try to go the other direction because I know there's so much push from a lot of news stations to just like toss out what he's saying. So mm-hmm. I try to listen with a charitable ear, but it was hard he had he gave no context to all of his claims so i was like i i have no reason to believe or disbelieve this you know what i mean like i was tuning yeah. into his speech i was like i'm not going to watch commentary i'm not going to go to watch other yeah. people i'm going to watch his exact speech and i watch his exact speech and he's talking about you know look here's an evidence of fraud that normally you get this many votes in and an then hour. there's and then a lot you of people this many votes in an hour let's i'm just saying you know 100 200 100 200 100 here's 10,000 in one minute yeah that's impossible I'm like Okay, well, maybe or maybe the system is just that they count all the mail-in votes separately because they're mail-in, they're paper, whereas the rest of these are done by a computer, mm-hmm. and they just input them all at once. Like I have no context with which to. That might happen in every is... state, every time, exactly. Everything, I, I and have... I had no idea that might have been what happened in 2016, 2012. Yeah, that, that was my. I was like, I, I have no reason to think anything. The removal of context, you're, man. You're saying now, like, it, you, yeah, his evidence was so without context. You nailed it. The removal of context, as I was speaking to my dad about some stuff, is the number one way to inform slash misinform people. Because yes. you're like, the government spent a billion dollars on printer ink. Yep. And you're like, a billion? Or it could be a million. And people will freak out. You know, no, or they, and then <laughs> make these it more specific. Make it more specific. Say Donald Trump is wasteful with spending. Or Obama is wasteful with spending. Obama? They spent yeah. a billion in printer ink. <laughs> And what you realize is last year he spent $1.1 billion. Yeah, and the yeah. guy actually saved $100 million because he made a small printer ink adjustment. And of course, that's happening with the death count. Okay, it's, it's, and they compare it to yesterday or previously. Okay, what is, how many people typically die of respiratory diseases? How many, like, I need something to compare this to in a world and a country of 350 ish million yeah. people. Is, is 280,000 a lot? A little? No, it's like, I, I, I tuned in to be charitable. I tuned in. I was like, I'm going to really give this a shot because I had previously just said, there's fraud every year. I have no reason to think there's more fraud this year, but mm-hmm. I'm sure there's fraud every year because there's mm-hmm. 33. I know. Did I tell you this? I, I know of a case of fraud. No. I didn't tell you this. The guy who cuts our hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> the guy who cuts, I don't know if I said it on the podcast. Uh, his wife took the mail in ballot, filled it out for him, and sent it back. He didn't want to vote. He was, he was like, I don't care. I'm, yeah. I, I might. That's fraud. Yes. <laughs> she but got when, two votes. But here's what I'm saying. One person or 10,000 people in 2020 compared to what in 2016? Yeah. Like compared to what in 2012? I think that when you have 330 million people, there will always be fraud. And there's been fraud of every course. year there's been an election forever. Yeah. And so I have no reason to think that there was more or less mm-hmm. this year. And so I tuned in. I was like, okay, that's been my thought process. And I've just been saying, who? how could anyone possibly know? 
the courts will decide. The courts seem to not be, you know, they mm-hmm. just seem to be re- rejecting it. So I just assume it's the same amount of fraud as every year. But I tuned into the speech trying to say, okay, let's do this. And walked away just saying, yeah, this this spike could be a clear case cut of fraud or the most obvious case of how the mail-in system works that anyone has ever seen. <laughs> yeah, like- and I have no, you're not showing me previous years. You're not showing me every state. You're just showing me one slide for one state. So I can't possibly find this convincing. Yeah. Yeah, I had a similar, It's uh, it even gets worse because we often talk about how the news is untrustworthy and how it's biased. But there's a quote, I forget from who, that's, you know, if you think the news is bad, like, what about history, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You think the stuff you're getting today with people that were there that can, so I've been, I was on this bi- biography kick. I was like, I'm going to read biographies, I'm going to learn. And I had two back-to-back things. The first was I started reading one of Chairman Mao, mm. and it was Evident Give just context for people who don't know who Chairman that is. Mao uh, was the guy who kind of depends on your perspective, brought China into the 21st century and industrialized it or killed 50 plus million uh, farmers and peasants in this great leap yeah. forward slash backwards. So he, he's, he's the guy on our, and not and 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 potentially. And yeah. this is so who knows is is how I felt after reading some of this, because it was very evident that. As I read this person's book, that they did not like Chairman Mao, mm. and some of it I got from just asides that were unnecessary. You know, we see from from Mao's childhood experience that he at no point does he make any reference to caring about farmers. To which I go, okay, one, who cares? What, like in my childhood, I talked a lot about Power Rangers. To, to draw any inference as yeah, to how yeah, I yeah. feel about the Power Rangers when I'm thirty. It's kind of yeah. stupid. Or even at five, I yeah. understood that there was value to every human life, but I mostly just talked about Ninja Turtles. I didn't if talk you, about if you it. Had a transcription <laughs> of me, I wouldn't be talking about the, the innate value of human life. And so there was a lot like that. And there was a lot of digs. And I go, okay, I got to put this down because what am I going to, of course, I know what I'm going to think in the same way that if mm-hmm. I turn on Fox or MSNBC, I know what perspective I will have at the end of this book. So, like, why even try? Uh, and then I picked up another one that was by uh, that was about rather Rockefeller. It's called Titan. And the first chapter is how he so he had an official biographer and there was another uh, the biographer who wrote about him. And this person is then writing later. But the reason he had an official biographer is because the first biographer in his perspective slandered him <laughs> and made him out yeah. to be a robber baron. Yeah. And this other biographer concluded that he was the guy who built America. Mm. And then this person comes and what do they do? You know, maybe it's somewhere in between. But of course, now the people who set these bookends, as crazy as they are, now we're just going to find the middle between two people who might have been crazy. And maybe he was a pure robber baron. Maybe he was the greatest man who built America. Yeah, yeah. And what am I going to land in the middle arbitrarily? Yeah. Like, so I had to put it down and go, I know nothing. There's no way for me to know about John Rockefeller. And even even if I go with, I read six books and I go with the consensus of six historians, at best, I am left with the chance that the six of them got it wrong. (laughs) Uh, So I had to put biographies down and be like, damn, I'm screwed. I can't know anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't know anything about the, you can't know anything about the present because the news is biased. You can't know anything about the past because every book was written by an author who had an implicit bias. Yeah, and so and I was like, what can I read? Oh, anymore? and sorry, and your anecdotal personal experience is not statistically significant, so you shouldn't make any decisions based on that. Well, so just don't use the news, <laughs> your personal anecdotal experience, or history. Yeah, and where I land but is besides that, inform yourself. I land on anecdotes of all of these things with the obvious drawbacks that we all know. Well, I think the biggest thing you land on is to not feel 
so strongly about something that you yeah, can't yeah. have your mind changed, which yeah. I think is something you implicitly do, but don't often talk about. Mm-hmm. Like being willing to change your mind on almost anything is how you approach most topics. I mean, that's that's uh, that's how I would like to approach most topics. That's not actually true. Most of topics, my... unless you're talking to your dad, in which case I have to win. <laughs> <laughs> Winning is the most important. So. Yeah, I've uh, that's that's I think what attracted me even 15 years ago to philosophy, which mm-hmm. is you can do this with limited uh, appeal to real world data like politics matters so much how you would get the data and interpret the data is coronavirus killing people, isn't it? But you can do philosophy with very little uh, recourse to disputed real world mm-hmm. facts and figures, which is why I like it so much, I think. Um, so I can, I can jump. This is a C transition unless you have something close. No, no, go for it. Elliot Page, you hear this? Yeah, I did. Okay, so we got Ellen Page is now Elliot Page, mm-hmm. which got me thinking about transgender, gender, sex. Mm. I stayed up a long time. <laughs> yeah, I saw there was, there was, someone got confused on her Wikipedia because, or his, <laughs> sorry, his Wikipedia because they said Elliot Page is a gay man, but Elliot Page is married to a woman. So now Elliot mm. Page is a straight transgender man. I don't know. Uh, I was thinking of the category. So, yeah, I have no. Uh, that literally, I can't. It's kind of like when you're like, it's your uncle's nephew's cousin. I'm just like, yeah, I can't. I can't get <laughs> sure. there. Like, is that my my dad? <laughs> um, so, but what I was thinking about is, is gender, sex. I don't know that we've talked about this. So, it seems that within the transgender thing, there's a lot of simultaneous arguments going on at the same time. You know, one of them is our gender and sex the same and mm-hmm. like is is the way that people represent themselves in society and their biological thing the same uh are those binary or do they occur on spectrums mm-hmm. and then i think the big one is can you switch you know can mm-hmm. you pick does that change at any point and if so is it as an act of declaration or is that just something that you are mm-hmm. so here's where i got to on a couple of this you okay. you, you, th- you shoot me down this this is uh i can't wait to hear this late night thinking okay gender sex uh, sure, I guess. I actually think that this is, you know, the gender is the way that you, you know, if you have a beard or not, if you have a deep voice, if you are typically masculine is what we define as masculine in 2020 mm-hmm. America or whatever culture you're in. And sex refers to biological traits like the shape of your chromosomes if you have a penis or okay. not. Sorry, did you say gender was a spectrum or binary? I think that both of these are spectrums. Okay, so you're less masculine from a gender perspective, you. because of your, okay, that's just a thing. That's like just a thing. We're all on a spectrum. You fight, and society says that men fight, and I don't fight, and you're taller and you weigh more. Okay, and the timbre of your voice is a few uh, decibels lower than mine. Okay, unless I'm reading a script for Charisma on Command. Hey guys, hi everybody. <laughs> Talk about Craig Ferguson, and whatever. And maybe there's areas in which in which. Sure. Okay, I'm not opposed. The one thing I'd say is. Uh, People will hear this and think that masculine, if you are male sexed and cis, is good or superior in some way, which is, I think, the part that needs to get thrown out. You're kind of making a video about this with Cobra yeah. Kai. Yeah. I think aiming at masculine seems silly compared to aiming mm-hmm. at like happy or good relationships or yeah. something of that nature. But so here's for all you anyway, biologists, carry, carry for all the scientists out there, biologists, feel free to go berserk in the comments. I, I, I welcome this particular on this topic. So binary. What binary means is one or the other. Mm-hmm. In binary code, every one is identical yeah. to every other one. Sure. Same with the zeros. 
If not, it would be really hard to code. And what we say is, okay, well, this person is XX, this person is XY. So my question is, is every XX chromosome identical to every other person's XX chromosome? I have never looked through a microscope, but I have a sneaking suspicion that no, that your XYs and my XYs are different. You're saying like, like the tail of the Y might be longer I, or shorter. Tails are longer, the way sure. that it's set up. So I have no idea. Okay, and and take, you know, every penis, I know that is, is not identical. So whatever biological thing you want to refer to, you do not wind up with one or two options. Only when you zoom out and you squint at it, do you go, yeah, that one's XX, that one's XY. But really what you have is a spectrum. Sorry, this is your argument for why even... Sex so is a spectrum. Gender is a spectrum. That one seems to be people are more open to. You're saying yeah. even sex, male versus female. Is a spectrum. Is a spectrum. Okay. Is a spectrum. I think everything is a spectrum. Uh, this is like the deconstructionist thing that every that is... Uh, you know, the Jordan Petersons don't really like as much these these days. Actually, I don't know if he doesn't like this part of it. But what you wind up with is, you know, here's my sister, here's your sister, here's her moms, here's this. And their XXs are all over here, but they're not the same. Mm -hmm. And here's me and it's your like dad and Justin and, and everybody. Exactly. And when you zoom out, it's like, oh, no, there's just two. Mm -hmm. But when you zoom in, you go, no, they're all over the place. And there's Kleinfelters, which is somebody in here, which is like XXY. And mm -hmm. there's, and you know, and there's these tails that start to move in. But... Zooming out, it's like, yeah, if you want to make a baby, you got to pull someone from over here yeah, yeah. and someone from over here. And then even then you're not guaranteed. But any sort of definition, whether it's chromosomal or otherwise, if you zoom in enough, you will find that it is not identical and therefore cannot be binary. Okay. What's the therefore, though? Sex is not binary. That's okay. it. So And therefore... <laughs> Oh, and, that's it? That's and there, just like a... I just don't... When I hear people argue that sex is binary, it seems evident to me that it's not. Hmm. Uh, in the same way that like people are like, no, this couch is obviously solid. It's like, to you, it might appear that way. But yeah. if you zoom in, it's mostly empty space. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that I always find... Well, this is... I mean, I think this is where we're going in terms of um, dividing things by male, female, mm -hmm. I think. is just, Or dividing things by gender or by sex or, by, you know, by chromosome. I think we'll just go to the wayside, which is to say, like, mm -hmm. there is no WNBA. There's mm -hmm. just an NBA and anyone can play. And like military, we're going to we're going to do male, female. No, we're not. We're going to do has to bench press 185 yeah. pounds, 10 times, has to run a mile in six minutes and 30 seconds. No matter what your chromosomes are, if you can do that. You pass. If you can't do that, you fail. And well, what about making different rules for different genders or different sexes? It's like we don't do that anymore. Yeah, that's kind of where I see things going, which is actually going to be compared to the traditional sense. You may find you exclude more based on gender on accident when you set physical yeah, yeah. benchmarks, but you're not going to be doing it because of uh, genitalia or chromosomes. You're just going to let people run as fast as they can and lift as much as they can. Yeah. And you'll do less, I guess, pairing off based on genitalia, let's say. And I don't know that people are going to like or dislike that. And maybe there'll be a pushback, but I think that's the direction we're going to head for a period of time, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I totally agree. Well, this is, this is, where I was kind of going with this is that uh, all models are false, but some are useful. Mm -hmm. So like the dichotomy of men and women is false. Yep. It is, it is you, I am not identical to you. Like sure. to say that, that there are men and that there are women, but that's very useful. It's very useful when you're like, you know, who am I probably going to want to be friends with when I'm really young? And like, who's going to have similar interests to me? And like, if I'm heterosexual, you know, even forget heterosexual, who are you likely to be attracted to? It's likely to be someone that is, on the opposite side of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's gay people. And if you tell me that you're gay, I can guess that you're going to be attracted to someone on the same side yeah, of the yeah, spectrum. They're, they're, 
you will get a lot of guesses right if you if adopt you know, this. If you come in with a gunshot in your belly, and and I and I need to communicate whether or not you have certain organs. I can go, that is a woman, and then boom, that doctor knows right away. Like, okay, I gotta be careful of the uterus, and the, yeah. there are things that they know. Um, you don't have to treat every single situation as totally stunning, new, and novel. That's what words do for us. But mm -hmm. we can't forget that every word that we use is, it's false. Yeah, it's yeah. not true. It, it, you do not ever fall into this category perfectly or guaranteed. Yeah. So the question that you raised is, okay, these made a lot of sense. Like men, go fight in war. <laughs> Women, go stay home. Forget if you like it or not. It's a really useful heuristic. Mm -hmm. How useful are those going forward? And I think what we're seeing- Well, or even men in the UFC- Fight other men. Yeah. Women in the UFC fight other women. Why? Super useful. Well, it's super <laughs> useful. Like to use those labels is helpful mm -hmm. in terms of getting roughly fair matches. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Well, this is one where I think, and so I guess just wrapping that point, I think that we're going to see the question is where are these useful and where aren't they mm -hmm. useful? Uh, the UFC to make, make sense because people, the market will pay to see Whaley fight Shevchenko. Mm hmm. The WNBA doesn't seem to have a reason to exist in this world where we accept that it's mostly a soup because, and I've talked about this, the difference between me and LeBron James is roughly the same as Lisa Leslie to LeBron James, right? With the same height, like she might even be stronger yeah, than Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to, what you're saying is, yes, Lisa Leslie, if there was no WNBA, would not be able to play in the NBA. And neither can you. And neither and can both me. both of you, in it's any universe. Of how you were born. Yes, yes, I... I was born with a deficiency of testosterone that yeah, preclude me from ever competing against LeBron James. And the idea that I would be expected to, but she wouldn't in this world, which I agree with, is like, you know, is this stuff useful? I actually don't think it makes sense. Does the fact that she has a vagina mean that she couldn't play? No, it's her height. It's her speed. It's her quickness. Yeah, yeah. And if she has me beat on those through natural raw talent attributes, why can't I play against her? And but more importantly, you could play against whoever you want. The market doesn't want to pay for it. That's why the WNBA, yeah, the WNBA needs to go is, away. Is is an interesting one because they have lost money every year and they're yes. constantly being subsidized by the NBA. I think <clears throat> that I'm I'm very excited to sit this one out because I think there's going to be a huge battle between uh, cis women and trans women to figure out what the definition of a woman is. Yeah, because that will have a lot of impact in the military and sports. Title Nine men, uh, jobs and board of directors because now there's board requirements for yeah. California if you're a public company. So Caitlyn Jenner comes onto your board. She fills one of your female requirements mm -hmm. for a board member, I assume. Mm -hmm. So then she's taking a cis woman's potential seat. That's, you guys figure it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Caitlyn versus whoever spot. Caitlyn versus Caitlyn, yeah. Like y'all figure it out. Cause uh, I know that I in California will have to sit on a male seat for a board of directors. So I actually don't. Well, this this brings us to need, our third question. Well, I don't. I don't feel the need to weigh in. This brings us to the third <laughs> question. Guys... Do you have to sit on that? So I said, there's. Is it a spectrum? Is it a binary? Okay. Third thing is, how do you, what determines where you are? Well, yeah. This is the thing that will happen if you make it easy to identify to change your gender. If you make it effortless and just a statement of fact, and you let trans and cis be treated identical for the purposes of division mm -hmm. you will see more trans women in professional athletic leagues you will yeah. see more trans women taking the seats of um, board of directors and you will see people who might not have identified as trans identifying as trans for those opportunities 
I'm not saying that's what's happening today. I'm definitely not saying that's everybody. It's already started. This. No, it's already started. But what I'm saying is that's in the same way we talked about the airline industries with their incentive structure of getting a guaranteed bailout should use all their cash for share buybacks. If you make it so that someone can get a great high paying job by identifying as a woman, you should assume that there will be bad faith actors who do that. Well, I want to go even further. Like, I know you want to sit this one out, but should you be able to? It's okay. So I think, and tell me if you disagree. The spectrum, both sex and gender, uh, there's we we have four different uh, advantages and disadvantages depending on mm -hmm. where you are perceived and where you line up that are maybe not fair in every case. Like it's. To me, it's not fair that I have to compete against LeBron James if I want to play professional basketball and my sister doesn't. Mm -hmm. Like, she was worse than me all growing up and she got to be on the varsity team. What is up with that? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I couldn't compete against the guys any better than she could, but she got to be in this other league. And I know that that sounds crazy at the face of it, but if you follow this argument, it it kind of, I, hopefully you're with me still. I, I do believe it makes sense. So when it comes to what are you, should you get to decide? Because it seems to me that the way that Elliot Page is using the word men is not the way that so many others are using the word men. I mean, when they say men, they typically refer to someone who, again, and you don't have to have all of these things. If you were an, a war veteran and your penis was blown off in an IED, people will still say, no, that's a guy. But typically has a penis, typically has a larger stature, deeper voice, facial hair, armpit hair all these kinds of things. So how much of those does she have, he, I'm so confused with all of this, yeah. does he have to represent in order to to move to that category? Or does everyone else at just the statement that I am a he yeah. have to react to that? Uh, because it seems to, the way that we use words is to uh, communicate things to one another. And, and they have a, a fluid but rough meaning. And it does seem that if someone is, and I'm not saying this is the case with Elliot Page, is unwilling to adopt some of the things that that we use that word for, that it is co-opting the use of that word in a way that makes it not useful for other people. Sure. So well, the, the switch to Elliot is one move to goes, okay, no, I'm I am a man, right? I, of, this is a man name. In the case of Elliot Page, though, I don't know if this is totally true because i don't know every single law so there may be exceptions but it, i my impression is that what we have in society according to people who think that there are implicit advantages to men is that the advantages to men are undocumented if that makes sense they occur in the minds of the people in a thin slice split second and that's advantageous mm -hmm. and that the advantages that occur to women are more documented in the sense that certain number of board seats must go to women, uh, certain, you know, Title IX, certain sports leagues have to be for women. So I think when Elliot Page identifies as a man, she doesn't, he, uh, he, he doesn't, he doesn't accrue any more uh, potential advantage, if that yeah. makes sense. So I think it's like, yeah, there's, I don't think there'll be many bad faith actors no, no. Identifying as men. It's not advantage. What can be asserted is a disadvantage to other people. So if you are in a working place with Elliot Page and you say the word she, you can potentially be fired hmm. or, or, you know, or, or like be brought at the very least in front of HR. So there are repercussions for other people depending on what someone says 
with with regards to this particular thing. And so my my fundamental question is words, I mean words generally, but let's just take men female female he she who and where does the truth lie? Do, do you have to make moves to this the way that we use male which is to say tends to have, you know, it's kind of like a symptom list. Like, do you have irritable bowel syndrome? Well, do you have hurting in your stomach? And we have five things. Then we go, that's irritable bowel syndrome. Like men and women are almost like syndromes that we have. And that's how we use them. Uh, Or is the trump card? No, this is the way that I feel. Uh, It seems to me that if, if we allow for the way that I feel to be the singular trump card that dictates the use of a word, we will very quickly make language pretty useless in the sense that... Well, why not just make it the same as any other identifying, self-identifying feature, which is to say, like, in the workplace, to the extent that someone says they're being misgendered, mm-hmm. I, I want to be called he and you keep calling me she, and so I'm going to report you to HR. It's like, okay, well, I identify as Jewish. There's nothing in my DNA that says I'm Jewish. So what well, maybe if somebody, there is, but sure. What if somebody says something that says I'm Christian? Mm-hmm. Okay, well that seems like misgendering my religious mis- identity. Mis- mis- you know yeah, yeah. Okay, well what if they say something mean about me being Jewish? What if well, you what if they, well what if you interpret the that that you are Christian as mean? That's they don't need to say anything mean. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying in this that analogy. we have parallels for this. Uh-huh. Is what I'm saying, and so I think you can just base it off of what is the corporate's existing rule set for language yeah but but it's not the well there's two questions because we tend to say that there are that there are more subjective states and that there are more objective now this is this breaks down right but if you insist that uh you want to run for president you're i think 33 but you tell me no i'm actually 35 and eligible to run Mm -hmm. We have a problem. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure, sure. Can you run for president or can't you? And it's not like you get to pick that. Or do you? Can Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez run as 35? So all language doesn't fall under the same category. Now, if you tell me, I'm feeling happy today, and I go, but you're not smiling. You go, yeah, but I don't need to smile to feel happy. At some point, I kind of defer to you and go, you you have more understanding of your internal subjective sure. state than I do. But sometimes I'll be like, you're full of shit, man. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I mean, also you could separate things. So even though chromosomes are a spectrum, mm-hmm. they do delineate largely X, Y, X, X. So you actually could yep. say, okay, well, let gender be self-identified. Let chromosome, let sex be chromosomally identified mm-hmm. and then go in that direction, which is to say. But that's not how words have worked. And and I guess this is the question. Maybe we're using the words differently. Age, you could say age and sex defer to other people, defer to the microscope. And you could say that gender defers to self-identity. And Why? In that way- Why? Because, and here's, here's, and I just want to play devil's advocate in this, for thousands or, you know, gender has, the use case of it has not been in how you're feeling about yourself. Mm-hmm. The use case has been what what can you do? What are you capable of? Can you make a baby with this particular person? Should you well, go to war? Historically, did we separate sex and gender though? No. So, and that's how we've used the term historically. Sex has been used to determine a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And going forward, sex could be used to determine a lot of things. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. 
Well, pronouns, for instance. What determines pronouns? Sex or gender? Sex and and do you get to pick? Well, that's the that's the fight that's being waged, right? Yes, exactly. And so I'm just I don't know the answer to these questions, but I that's I like to ask them. <laughs> uh, and I would also be curious. I'm sure that there's somebody who's thought more about this because I hear this question asked often, and I'm, I guarantee that I'm not the first. What is it specifically about gender that makes it a subjective internal experience uh, from the perspective of the transgender community that does not apply to age, for instance? Like, well, you could just bucket age and sex in the same category, and you could bucket gender. You could, and but I could, but I could identity in the same category. Sure, but you could do a lot of things. I could bucket religious identity as an objective thing if I wanted, and I could, I could bucket age as purely subjective. Sure, I, well, I'm saying, I mean, honestly, I see complications in the transgender in implementing transgender policy, but I, not here. Actually, this seems like it would be fairly easy, especially for like a private company, which is what you're describing. So walk me saying, through. So walk me through it. Just treat self-identified gender the same way you would treat self-identified religion which is to say like if i'm a buddhist and you're a christian and justin's jewish i just like misassigned everyone but mm -hmm. uh whatever can be said to each other about our different religions is what you can say about genders just to say if it's not a huge deal if i say oh yeah justin how was your christmas he goes oh i'm actually jewish and then if i accidentally misgender him and he says oh i'm actually this religion wait no no i'm saying treat them the same i accidentally misreligion him i accidentally misgender him he corrects me I go along with it, same level of punishment, right? Mm -hmm. If I if I every day of December am asking Justin questions about Christmas that he finds offensive and I won't stop. You're like, how what's I'm, it like in your family? I'm sure that there's a <laughs> way for him to go to HR. And be like, be or like, somebody keeps calling you the wrong name. He keeps calling about, me David. Yeah. He's harassing me about being Christian, or he keeps calling me. He says that I'm Jewish, so my name must be. I guess what we don't Dobby. have are laws on the books to protect you from mis like if you call him David and his name is Justin. There is not, uh, and well, it so depends. Companies, so companies and laws are different. Sure. And you're saying, what should, I'm saying a company has rules for this already. Mm -hmm. they, there's a thing that would happen if someone just kept calling me. Uh, but here's here's my question. saying like shalom to me okay. or something. Justin, how old are you? 25. Okay, so Justin decides that he is now 45. Mm -hmm. He feels 45. He's an old soul. He likes Thelonious Monk. He's read all the classics. Yeah, yeah. And he gets along real well with our parents. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. You speak to Justin, and you're like, yeah, you're like, you weren't alive in the 80s. And he's like, yes, I was, mm -hmm. because I'm 45. How, how does that get navigated by HR? Do you have to cater to that at this point? Do you have to adjust to that and go, that's right, you do remember 1982 because you are 45? No, but I also don't think with the trans community, I would have to pretend the person at genitals that they didn't have. No, but what you do, again, there's a lot of things that you have to adjust your understanding of the word men and women to move to theirs that is what you have to mm -hmm. do like if, if you've previously your whole life used the word man to mean one thing you no longer get to do that and keep your job you just can't you have to uh adjust to theirs and my question for everyone out there and i mean this absolutely sincerely is uh why not with age as well for instance uh i don't know do you have any I don't know. Is age dysphoria a thing, I assume? Because people are going to be like, you're making up a thing. But mm -hmm. I assume there's people who do think that they're different ages. Well, there's absolutely, there, there definitely could be. Yeah, I think, I think there. No, I think there are. 
There's a lot of everything. If And how big, and by the way, how many do we need to have? Did transgenders have to hit a certain size of the population before we started taking it seriously? And is 0.6% oh, yeah. well, that number? I'm trying to strengthen your argument, actually, because I could see people going, 100% you're, making, sure. you're making up uh, straw man arguments. So no. I'm just saying, okay. well, this, this is a real thing. There, I'm sure there are Take people. Sch- there's a lot of schizophrenics that think that people are listening to them. And they might, let's argue, you know, they make up 0.6% of the population that are sure that people are tuning in. Do you have to? when in conversation with them, whisper and be like, I know the government is listening, so I just want to ask you, like, how do we negotiate this very different use of the words and their very different understanding of reality? Um, at this point, what you're saying is it's, it's in this particular negotiation, it is a deferral to the subjective decision of an individual, in this particular case, every time. When, when did I say, I think what I've said is I don't know. Okay. Okay, but it, we don't know then yeah. is, is the answer. Got it. Yeah. No, I'm just saying that I think private companies have more more rules than you're thinking for dealing with this already. Sure. So let me, yeah, yeah. And another, I guess, yeah, it's fascinating. I don't I don't know the answers to any of this. So this is the one where I got hung up. Like, as for I was instance, I'll tell it. you something. Uh, you're talking about, oh, misgendering. You can't, if you walk into office every day and you talk to, to find a female employee and say, Hey, sweetie, how's it going? Mm-hmm. She says, please don't call me sweetie. I don't yep. like it. She doesn't identify as the sweetie, right? Or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you say sweetie every day, you'll go to HR. Yes. So I don't think it's as complicated as you think for a private company to implement gender. Cause it's just like, we have a pre, like, how have we treated religion? How have we treated What if she doesn't names? like that? I said, Hey, she demands to be addressed as salutations. I don't know, but I'm, I'm saying, I bet that company has rules for this who wins when i say hey and she demands i say salutations and she goes to hr and say everyone in this office needs to salute me they need to say salutations mary what i'm saying is i bet every company has different rules for this they're different we have different categories in the case this is what i'm trying to illustrate in the case of hey versus salutations we go with you you win you're allowed to say hey she's the crazy one you don't have to salute her when you speak to her what we are changing now is we are changing forever it was you didn't get to tell me if you were a guy or a girl that was the collective yeah, judgment yeah, but I'm upon saying, you all i'm saying is i think there are areas where this is this fundamentally uh <clears throat> creates conflict mm-hmm. like when there's a board of directors and, and there's three of the eight seats have to go to women defining what a woman is becomes very important there's a draft because we're at war with russia or at war with china mm-hmm. all of a sudden defining who is a man, because only men can get drafted in the US, is extremely important. And I'm just saying in a private company, I don't think it's actually that hard because I imagine it follows the same rules as Sweetie. This is what I'm saying. So I, I understand why does it follow the same rules as Sweetie and not the same rules as Salutations? That, that, so that's what I'm saying. Well, why does Sweetie, I guess we'll, we'll start with why is Sweetie something that you can't say? Because as a, this is it, as a society, there's been a, a wave, and this might be the answer to this question, this, that, yeah, that so. Sweetie is therefore demeaning. Okay. And so is that, this is, we're not, we're kind of like navigating this point right so now I'm with, all with transgender. Rule, all these corporate rules are just reflections, majority uh, reactions to how many people tell them that a word is offensive. So yes. Sweetie was fine in the 1920s. Yes. Hey, Sweetie. Hey, Sweetie. Hey, sweetie. Mm-hmm. Fine. At some point, it became, we've accepted that enough people say this is demeaning. Yep. That it's demeaning. Hey, probably hasn't hit that. Hasn't hit that, that I would say. amount of complaint. Yeah. And misgendering based on the news and the media, not just the 0.6% of people that are trans, but just the public yeah. uh, backlash 
I think has hit that amount of the populace sure. that would say that you should treat this like sweetie, Got which it. by the way was completely inoffensive in 1920. Well, I think, and, and I totally agree with that. This is how we figure out language in a corporation. I think you're right. It's hit it in LA. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it hasn't hit it in Memphis necessarily or, or some other place. So well, uh, maybe there are different rules in different, in different states. cultures. Seriously, yeah, I, there, there really might be. I mean, I'm not going I'm, I'm to say it, but there are words in Britain that mean cigarette than in America mean you're fired. <laughs> you know, like, yes. I wouldn't be on that. I would imagine that there are companies that you could call someone sweetie. And if they complained, they would be told this isn't offensive. You kind of have to deal with it. Yeah. And then there's others where you'd be immediately told, we'll take care of it. We'll call the person in the office and they're going to get a big talking to. Yep. So yeah, maybe it does vary company to company. Yeah. It's well, this is, and then the one thing that I'll say with regards to this the last psychiatrist, really interesting writer on the internet. He probably in 2010 or 2011 wrote an article on, on transgender and asked the question, which I think is a great question, uh, or statement rather. He said, when you see a minority group effectively advocating for itself in media that that group does not own, bet on the status quo of power asserting itself. So what that means is when you see transgenders who are 0.6% of the population ride a wave of popularity that is not reflected in 0.6% of the micropenis population, which is 0.6%, right? Mm -hmm. That they're not getting uh, recognized and no more penis jokes. Like when you see that, you have to wonder how do the objectives of this transgender group, which are probably very sincere, correspond with the cynical power grab of the media that promotes mm -hmm. that. And I think the answer that he proposed in 2011, which I think is true, is that this was legacy media, newspapers, et cetera, asserting their right to tell you how to use language and what's real. It's that, look, hey, this has been, and, and maybe this it's the case that it ought to change, but that they will tell you when it's time. Uh, for thousands of years, this has been a man, this has been a woman in, in your culture, guess what? Today we say otherwise, and if you don't, you're a, a bigot. Now, that all might be appropriate, mm. but the push of it from media is them asserting their power over uh, communication and all that kind of stuff. Well, two things. And by saying two things, I kind of let you attack whichever one is weakest, sure, but I'm sure. going to do it anyway. One, if you did make micropenis comments in a workplace, you would get in trouble. So in terms of like what should private, yeah, for sure. I could absolutely report you for- what are you, inse you insecure about something? Yeah, I can report you to HR for saying that. Uh, okay, uh, maybe. 100%. And, you, and they would pull you in and say, you can't talk about this person's penis. You can't continue to make jokes at their expense. Now, not every company, mm -hmm. just like we were saying about Sweetie, but for sure a lot of companies. So I think if you're going to try to protect micropenis and trans, and they're both 0.6% of the population, you would see that that's occurring. So it's not that trans is disproportionately well, so, so strong in... <laughs> Private in the private company. companies. Mm -hmm. uh, and the second thing is, I don't see this as a successful way to do that. What you just said in terms of like, so there's the mainstream media, there's Forbes and there's New York Times. I don't think that people, I, it seems like a, an ineffective way for them to establish their power. I think a more effective way for them to establish their power would be to find a unique value prop that lets them be better than new media and beat the Young Turks and beat Ben Shapiro. Of course. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that 
if this has somehow gained them power, they have still lost tremendous ground. Uh, yeah. As fake news gets labeled every day, Ben Shapiro becomes more popular every day. Young Turks get more popular every day. Everyone on a podcast poo-poos Fox and CNN equally at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe let's say one will poo-poo Fox. And one will, like They're getting shit on all the time. So yeah. if that was the case that they were trying to survive and expand their power, this wasn't a great strategy, it mm -hmm. seems, because they would have been better off just doing whatever Ben Shapiro did. Yep. Well, I guess I'll go to the second point since you just said it. Yes, I think that this is not a conscious strategy. It is an unconscious reaction of an organization or an organism uh, to these sorts of things. So, and it might not be the most effective yeah, yeah. thing. Well, I just don't, I'm saying I'm not. Uh, I'm not convinced that that's the motive. Well, I let guess. me give you. Let me give you a reverse motive. Let's say that the that the transgender, um, whatever uh, agenda, was opposite. What would keep newspapers in power do you think that they would be pushing it like let's say that it's somehow negatively impacted no definitely not but it so, could be neutral to it it at the very least has to be neutral but if you're going to see a lot of it are these businesses are these i mean everything no, is a survival going, organization but sorry but they're going i think it's much more likely if there's disproportionate coverage that it's because it's getting clicks i don't think it's because they're trying to exactly oh sure but no i'm saying i don't think it's media's attempt to tell you that they're the ones that can define something. Mm. I don't think you're it's saying that, sophisticated. that it's profit mo motive yeah. is enough I think to it's the for same it. reason that Trump got a bunch of free coverage in 2016. Like Trump, don't like Trump, really didn't matter. He was mm -hmm. going to get the coverage because it got money. I think as trans became something that people. I think as trans became is the is the how did trans if become? No one was clicking those articles. They wouldn't have gotten written. No one was clicking them in 2010. It I so this was uh, they made fetch happen. 0.6%, like people that are genuinely interested, 0.6% and their family and yeah, their loved ones. Yeah, they must have tried. I mean, surely they tried to make other things happen that didn't happen. There was something in the people that got this to be at the forefront of so many Yes, minds. they can't make anything. I agree. I think they're just profit motivated. I don't think this was an attempt to go gender is a thing that has mm -hmm. been the same for 10,000 years. And we as New York Times are going to stake our claim to remain powerful by telling you what it is. I think they just went, do a bunch of shit and see what makes us money. I so again, we I don't know, but I think that both uh, could be drivers of it. So the profit motive being the one that kills. I, it's like, look, this is this is losing us money. It's dead. It's gone. But also, I I genuinely suspect that the that these were not wildly successful topics without a massive amount of coverage and push and and making it front and center. I actually think that the best thing that happened for the transgender movement was being part of LGBT. Mm -hmm. I think that you ba they basically let the LGB part like kind of be the spearhead. Spearhead, yeah. 10% of the population, harder to ignore. You know what I mean? Yep. But they bond over the fact that at a period of time, they're the minority and they're the, the weird outcast group about sex and gender. You know, so they kind of do lump together naturally, especially if you go back 1920s, 1950s. But then because it is LGBT that a natural second domino of gay rights being pushed forward and gay marriage being legalized and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, I think there's like a very small percentage of people under 18 are even against gay marriage. Like the gay, the gay rights movement has had huge victories in mm -hmm. the past 20 years, let's say. Well, the T is part of LGBT. So I think that would be a natural second domino is that as you see lgb rights strengthening then transgender rights will strengthen mm -hmm. you know what i mean because they're a coalition yes yes um and i think the same analysis can be applied to lgb you know like again it's not 0.6 but it's 10 ish or less 
what tipped it, what made it effective, and profit motive might account for why that. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know the the initial driver, but it's well when you're ten percent of the population. I, sorry to cut you off. I was just thinking it's a lot of people have direct experience at that point. Yes. So like with trans people, you might not know anyone, right? But like we had a friend who came out of the closet. Mm-hmm. We all liked him before. We all liked him afterwards. Now, maybe in the 20s, he would have come out and get beaten up. But I think the reason that LGB made such progress is because it's at some level when you're 10% of the population, like everybody knows somebody who is gay or lesbian or knows somebody who knows somebody. But that's That's been true for as long as people have been around. I don't think that the numbers have changed. I think that the perhaps culture, technology, all these kind of things account for it. But I don't think that knowing people is enough to oh, say no, why our attitudes have shifted. Well, when you have the internet, you it's harder to like put it to the side or hide that person, I think, which was the strategy for a long time. You know what I mean? When Ellen is coming out as gay and is a national icon. But we I, had icons in the 50s. You know, we had icons in the 60s. Did we have 70s. gay icons in the no, 20s? No, we didn't, we didn't have gay icons. We had, I mean, there were, there, I guess, there were probably a lot of gay playwrights, and I don't know if he was Oscar Wilde, but there was, there was a lot of um, people out there. So I don't know that the internet accounts for it, but I, I do understand your your point from prior to that that it might not be just um, asserting that we have the right to claim that power motive can, or profit motive can account for a lot of why these things catch hold. But yeah. still, a fantastic question, whatever the answer is, to ask oneself is. When you see a small minority group blowing up in media, this doesn't mean that you can't support that sincerely. But ask yourself, why are why is this corporation on board? And the answer could just be for money, but it also might be beyond that mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, and it it just leads to interesting interesting realizations about how the world works and where benevolence really is and where opportunism is is occurring. Make sense? I understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. but. So far, I haven't really seen anything, and it maybe it's like coming, but I haven't seen anything in the transgender movement that really like negatively impacts people who aren't transgender. Uh, so what you would, I mean, you have to be careful with that. Now, so far, it might not happen, but on this podcast, you said she when you should have said he. Mm-hmm. That has gotten people in deep shit in the past. So I hope that the case is that it doesn't negatively impact, but that that might impact you negatively is mm. is something to consider. Well, I think there's two ways that that happens. And maybe, maybe we just live in a world where people don't recognize this, but there's like slip ups and there's purposeful, mm-hmm. I'm not recognizing Do what you- Do you run for president? No one will give a shit that you slipped up. <laughs> you think? Yeah, yes. You think they would take something out of context and run it a million times? You ever see Donald Trump talking about MS-13? You ever see Donald Trump talking about they're, they're, well, those are fine, fine people? So they, might, they might talk about what it. What about but... fine people? He, I mean, he, the fine people thing went on. Watch the fine people clip. 30 seconds later, he explicitly says he's not talking about white supremacists. It is a stark, this is not included in that category. There's no room to, to misinterpret. That was, that was the backbone of the election. Absolutely. Someone will clip up our podcast mm. in, the, in the least flattering way. Where any slip up will be, I mean, it'll go beyond that. You'll you'll find something you're like, it'll be cutting pieces together and and all kinds of shit. But yeah, no, I think it impacts people. I think if you were in a public position of trying to get votes or anything, 
that literal things that you have said today with regards to transgender people that were good faith explorations yeah. of the topic could get you canned. Well, probably you, but not me, based on how the <laughs> conversation's gone. What about, no, you think so? I, yeah. I, I'm generally asking questions. I think I slipped up less than you did. I don't know. This is the thing. You don't even know what you've done wrong. <laughs> and I think that it is naive to assume that it wouldn't be uh, you or anyone else trying to explore this topic. That you're just supposed to instantly understand, get it, without exploring it, questioning it, making mistakes as you do, and pushing back at various points and being like, wait a second, where does the truth mm. in all of this lie? I, 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 I'm being completely sincere in my exploration. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This. Um, and if somebody doesn't think so, that you can let me know, but that is my honest to God <laughs> internal experience of it. And maybe you think that you can see objectively past that. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I'm honestly more than anything, I'm surprised it's such a well, I don't even know if it is a big topic, honestly. I never hear anyone talking about it not on mm -hmm. podcasts or the news. Yeah. Though so it's I, funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to scale back listening to the news and listening to certain podcasts and trying to re reorient on what's real. Mm. I think that uh, the Trump polls being so off was a good reminder that most of this is garbage. And same with the Mayor Garcetti's thing being vigorously enforced and creating panic. And then you read the 12 page press release and it doesn't really change your life. I'm, yep. I'm trying to pull back and just be like, mo a lot of this stuff is literally just meant to incite. Seems wise emotion yeah seems seems intelligent probably get more done feel better as i've never had any run-ins with a transgender person that got aggro no it's it's not something that i see outside of comments or twitter sure so yeah that's true and i think as long as you are not running to host the oscars or for public mm -hmm. office and you want to have a mid to small sized business on the internet, you're likely to be okay. Uh, I well, do, even Kevin, speaking of hosting the Oscars, even Kevin Hart is okay. He's still selling out stadiums. Sure. And, you just can't host the Oscars if, if you don't. Uh, and again, this is not, I don't mean to draw perfect equivalence, but there's people will dig through things that you have mm -hmm. said and, and find them lacking and it will affect your ability to stand in prominent public spaces. That is, that is a given at this point, I think.
But if you don't want to stand in any prominent public spaces. <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, it depends. <laughs> yeah, like he couldn't host the Oscars, but hes I don't think he's monetarily been affected at all by that tweet being dug up. No, I don't, because his audience didn't care. Now, maybe maybe somebody didn't take it for a movie. There was one gatekeeper, but his, the, his audience, I yeah. don't, he actually had a special. It was one of his better ones of his last two or three that I watched recently. He did it in his in house. The, in his house, it's yeah. on Netflix. Did you he's watch still it? on the Jumanjis. Like, he's still getting cast in movies. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so real life stuff. Our assistant got rear-ended. Uh, mm. This is a little while ago. And she got out of the car and this, she was pulling into a parking spot. The woman hit her at 30 miles an hour, smashed her into the front car. They yeah. get out. She, the woman's crying, apologizing. I'm so sorry. I can't this. It's okay. She takes a photo. You know, she's at home and she's like, all right, at least I'm at my house. I was parking. You know, this car is totaled. Yeah. Comes in. Day later says, uh, this woman is saying that I reversed into her. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Dude. Freaking crazy! Wow. So this is the, just she a, said at the time that the woman was like completely super apologetic. apologetic. It was all my fault. And now I don't know how it's going to shake out because if you look at the way the cars are, it's like so I reversed into you and then catapulted into three other cars forward ahead yeah, of the yeah, spot. Yeah. And luckily she has some photos that she took of yeah. the incident. But I don't think they immediately called the police to get a police report. I think they had a handful of people. I don't know if she got all the witnesses things, but this is just a PSA for everybody that is ever involved in business or illegal stuff. If you don't know the person or trust the person, words are wind. Mm -hmm. You need pictures and and affidavits and police and words. Contracts are what matters. What people say to you is is it's incredible that and I'm not it's not incredible. I'm not surprised that woman found out it was going to cost her a lot of money and went, "You know what would be easier than paying? Just lying." Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> well, I have a dash cam for that reason. Yeah. No, I it's uh I, I've been in similar situations where it's like somebody's really upset. It's like, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. And like, please don't call the police because my insurance. And you, and you want it. You're like, I'm, I guess I'm fine. They said they're going to cover it. We can be cool. And then that yeah, person yeah. is not cool. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so interesting. So, yeah, what do you do? Because you want to live, you want to live a trusting life. You know what I mean? You want to yeah. believe people. But at the same time, you want to cover your ass. So, do you just say, like, hey, listen, we don't have to call the cops. I just need you to like talk into my, talk phone my camera. Right now. Yeah. Like, yeah, just go ahead. Just uh, go ahead and say what happened into my camera and we'll make sure that we both agree with yeah. that. And I'll be like, yeah, that's what happened. Uh, I think that's that's a good start or something right there. Yeah, um, you're generally pretty good at that, at, at friendly uh, being like, yeah, could you write that down, please? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've just been burned in the past is a good way to to get past that stuff. Hey, you know, I know someone or I've been burned in the past, so I know this might seem overboard, but could you please write it out, yeah. film it, etc. Well, I, I just have a natural paranoia, man. We got a new personal assistant and I got her social security number, her social security really? card and a photo of her ID before I let her walk my dog. No kidding. I was like, I'm, I, I can't just give a stranger my dog. So I, I have like a weird worst case scenario thing of like, OK, well, now I can identify you and call the police on you. <laughs> if You just show up and steal my <laughs> to dog. To be fair, I think you're crazy. But when we lived in Brazil, uh, the woman who cleaned our house <laughs> at first, what started was yeah. like, Dude, these these charges showed up on my credit card for like a twelve hundred dollar Samsung bill. Like, what's up with that? Oh, that's weird. I'm like, sorry, dude. And then like three days later, like, dude, me too. Like, my credit card's gone crazy. And we thought that somebody at the restaurant was like running the cards, and then she stopped showing up, and everybody got hit with yeah. like twenty two thousand dollars per card worth. She was of buying thing. Samsung TVs, right? She was buying TVs. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure flipping them. Uh, so everybody but me. 
Yeah, everybody but you, that's man. True. You're but that's the, just because I hide my credit card. Exactly. It's not because she wasn't. It's not like she liked me. Oh no, my I was all just, of my. I had like two or three cards at that point because I was playing the points game, yeah. and they just got banged, man. Um, luckily, they they reimbursed me because I could not have afforded that at that point in time yeah. in my life. Shout out to my mom for making me paranoid. Yeah, thanks. It only comes at minor. Uh, living with minor anxiety at all times. At all times. the only cost. But I didn't have to contact Citibank once yeah. <laughs> and say, hey, that's a small, small price of low-level anxiety at all times. It is crazy. The We don't need to go deep in this because I have nothing to say other than the lack of security on credit cards is incredible. Mm-hmm. That Citibank will just eat that charge. If anyone gets their hand on this piece of plastic, nobody checks name, nobody checks ID. You could, in the internet, there's none of that. That you could just run up thousands of dollars with access to Nothing essentially yeah, yeah. is uh it's wild. <laughs> it's it's a crazy business model. I guess it works for them though. I don't I mean as long as they're willing to to refund it whenever it's illegal. It seems like from the doesn't consumer's bother perspective, me. Yeah. it's great. Doesn't I, bother me. What's weird is that means they make so much on fees that they can cover that. Yep. So they can cover theft. So this is an interesting thing. I noticed an ex of mine did not understand how credit card interest worked. And so she had credit card debt on her credit cards and she had cash in her bank account and she wouldn't pay off her credit cards because she liked having five grand of cash in the bank for emergencies yeah which i said (laughs) you have five grand of credit card debt why don't you just pay the debt have like no money in your savings account but if you need in case of emergency you can just use the credit card because right now you're getting charged 10 percent a year like you're you're Credit card percentage for She's holding out for credit card debt cancellation, dude. (laughs) I was just fascinated me. I I realized that we do not educate people on certain things in public school that will become very important to them, Mm -hmm. like personal finance. Yeah. And so this girl who was not dumb, but just had no idea how credit cards worked was like, yeah, it makes more sense to just keep a balance on my credit card and keep cash because I need cash. Yeah. And then let the credit card company charge her so much money that you can call and say, hey, this person, I didn't buy this TV. And they just go, no problem. Here's two grand back because we're making this on suckers mm-hmm. who don't pay their credit cards. Yeah, man. Personal finance is a is the dumbest branding of what that is. Because I remember there were a handful of opportunities where there was like a college thing or whatever, mm-hmm. or, or maybe even high school, there was something. But personal finance is the lamest sounding thing you could possibly do. It's like, I'm going to balance my checkbook yeah, is yeah. what that reminds me of. And so I never took it. But if you named it something else like wealth creation, I might have I might have yeah, signed being, up being as rich as possible. Class. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you could have gotten a lot more people. Sure. That's just terrible marketing. Uh, then I have a couple of random things. We don't need to do them all. It's been it's been a minute. But one last thing just in the category of fame sucks is there's a Twitch streamer called Sweet Anita. OK. And she just made this video of how she's been stalked. And there's somebody who has found her house immediately. Like, this person is internet savvy. Uh, Told her that he's going to kill her a bunch of times. He was intercepted by the cops once a minute from her house with a knife. And she lives in England, which is like, that's the weapon in in England. Uh, And the cops really can't do anything because he's just a guy walking with a knife, which is like, uh, it's he's, insane how little police can do about stalkers. Yeah, I've dated women. This who, is this who is what stalk- she said. I've dated women who had stalkers, and they're like, "This guy's outside my house every day, staring in my window from the sidewalk, freaking me out." Yeah. He's like, "And you're like, off, I'm not going." Dropped anymore. off gifts, gifts at my house, <laughs> like threatened me, 
And the cops just go, well, I mean, none of this is illegal. So yeah. you call call us if he does something illegal. He said like, something and he gave you a gift. Prevent yeah. the, I'm trying to prevent the murder or the rape. Yeah. One one person I know, uh, the this person they used to work with had a schizophrenic break, thought that he was Jesus Christ reborn and that she was his Virgin Mary and his Mary Magdalene at the same time. So his mom and, and call, prostitute call, friend? 15 calls a day strings of text messages i'm gonna find you we're gonna get married uh this and that like calling saying i'm gonna kill you but the the police uh, said they couldn't do anything they're like you can get a restraining order but until he violates it you're you can't do anything despite the fact this guy is telling you he's gonna show up at your house and kill you Mm -hmm. that was what her video was about which is obviously she's incredibly sad and angry and frustrated by that which is she said too the same that he threatened to kill her and the cops won't do anything about it. Yeah, and and the solution that people offer her, which I admit is where my brain went, and this isn't this isn't like it's a your fault thing, but it's like can you move? Can you do like what can you control? But mm-hmm. even then, she's like one, I don't want to move, but two, this is the type of individual that it would not take more than uh, three days to figure out where I've gone. Yeah, you yeah. know, like this person is uh, committed and tech savvy enough to yeah. to immediately find me. no it seems like all you can do is go on the record and say hey when when i show up murdered or missing here's your prime suspect yeah but like they won't do anything to prevent the yeah. murder or the no and what they yeah and they say get a dog get a weapon get training yeah. it's just like do i have to I thought, could, yeah i i'm an idiot i thought stalking was a crime i thought there was a point where like you could just get punished for calling someone 15 times a well, day. Well, you can get restraining orders, but those take time and they're basically not very enforceable because by the time it's like, well, where was he? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, I understand why we have laws that allow for people to move freely about an area, you know, but also how do you deal with people that clearly are so mentally disturbed that the laws that, uh, that reasonably make sense for every other person do not make sense for them all of a sudden? You'd even, yeah, you'd even think like, there should be a way where if someone calls me 15 times a day to tell me that they're the rebirth of Jesus Christ and that I have to marry them for the sake of the universe or whatever. And I just have 45 voicemails in a week that I can be like, hey, can I sue this person in civil court if they call me again? Can we Mm -hmm. create some sort of incentive for them to leave me alone? Even if it's not jail time, can I just get a hundred bucks every time this person calls me? Yeah. Like you'd think there'd be some way to create a system that disincentivized this kind of like stalking behavior, but- well, I think fortunately it is a rare phenomena. But if you're in the community of attractive female public figure, it's not that rare. I think even just attractive female. Yeah, I know two, I know two non-famous yeah, yeah. Fe- women who had stalkers. Well, yes, in that group, it's probably less common. But sure, I I, I get the point. Is that yeah? There's there's a a portion of a, of us attractive women who are gonna have to deal with this a lot more than. Then I will. <laughs> nobody's, yeah, yeah. nobody's ever going to be waiting outside. Oh, don't, ah, la, la, la. don't let the universe hear that. I mean, no, don't you say what you want to be true. No one's know. ever going to be waiting outside for me, right? You're, the universe. But then how do that. jinxes work? Yeah. There's manifestations. <laughs> there's jinxes. I'm there's unclear jinxes. on how. Justin, do you know how jinxes <laughs> and manifestations work? Law of attraction. Together? No, I'm not. <laughs> no? All um, right, let me see if I have anything else before we go to questions. I had just a bunch of one-liners that that i'll bring them up if you want we can throw it away um riley reed was on eric weinstein yes Stein. what a pair uh yes but she she was on by her full name which is why i was confused at first she's got a non not she's a she's a porn actress 
and she was on, they were talking about the wealth gap in porn, which I just thought was interesting. Eric Weinstein. Yeah. And Riley Reed. Yes. How did they get in contact? Talking about economic, well, she's, she's been on the podcast circuit. She was she's doing that. Did you write stuff. a book? I don't know. Um, but I just watched one five minute clip, but the wealth gap in porn, as you might expect, is that women start at, she was saying at 2,000, 2,500 to shoot up to 10K and men start at 300 to shoot up to 2,000. So like your highest paid guy is not even scratching the beginning of, of where women are. And is that right? Is that fair? Uh, I have my take, but I'm curious for yours. Well, yeah, this is weird because I tend to just say that the market that the market should be able to do things like that. Mm -hmm. But I also tend to say that my impression of the wage gap is that if you take people agnostic of talent, experience, level, or position, you end up with a vastly overstated wealth gap, if that makes sense. Well, they're also doing different work, to be clear. <laughs> you know no, so, I mean? like, <laughs> so like people talk about the bottle girls and the bus boys in Vegas. Bottle girls make five times well, more. Well, we talk about boys. this, to be clear. We're the only ones who talk because well, sure. we lived in Vegas. Sure. But I'm saying like you can make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year as a bottle girl in Las Vegas if you're yes. an attractive woman, like 400 grand a year. Mm -hmm. And a guy can make like 100 grand a year. Yeah. But the people paying for bottles want attractive women there more than they want the attractive boy. men there. So that seems fine to me. Yes. So like. I'm fine with it. Wealth gap in the bottle industry and the porn industry. Yeah. But I also don't think that gender is the most important thing to divide income from. I think it's like experience, value created, what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Forget gender. Uh, there's there's always, there's also a supply and a demand thing. All right. Our market wants someone who looks like her and someone who looks like her, you. There well, I are, think gay, for instance, I bet gay porn actors make more than straight porn actors. Why? Why do I think that? Yeah. Because I've heard it. Really? Yeah. Uh, that's shocking to me that yeah straight men will do gay porn because there's more money in it oh i wonder if that's as, oh do they have to well maybe i don't know i just had a bunch of thoughts in yeah my head. that didn't you yeah. didn't say anything. are they so is, is the straight man known as no. the straight no no interesting okay so maybe that's just you something just that i would have intuited wrong in gay porn than you do in straight porn got it um well that would make sense why they would do that in that case uh but yeah i generally it's different it's different work. The market has different things. There's different supply and demand for you guys are clearly participating in different roles. Uh, I don't see why, I don't understand why in God's name you'd be paid anywhere near the same. It, it doesn't seem to make any sense to me. I think that there ought to be, the, just the general idea of viewing things primarily through gender doesn't make sense. Like she is providing more value to this shoot. She's going to sell more copies. If you remove her and you replace her with someone else, it's harder to do to get that role. Uh, but she was of the mindset that equality. And so I guess, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. <laughs> was well, yeah, my I, mean, take. I, I, th I think it, uh, equity of outcome. To, I've never heard a good argument for why yeah. that would be the case. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think male NBA players should be paid more than their female counterparts, given that they earn more money and, and draw more crowds. I think the same thing. I actually think the same thing is true. This is one that people get. Uh, well, that's a great point, actually. I think I, I view female porn stars making more as male porn stars. The same way I view LeBron James making more than the best WNBA player. Yeah. Which is like completely fair because it should be based on amount of money generated for the company that you work for. Well, it's not the case. Uh, so in tennis, prize money has been Serena Williams fought to make it even, even though she doesn't bring in the numbers or play for as long as her male counterparts, but demanded equal pay. 
which for equal work, but it's not equal work because she doesn't have to play as many games <laughs> as they yeah, do, yeah, I don't nor think, does she have to compete against can, the best athletes solving, in the world. I don't think solving for identical outcomes is good. And I do actually, no, I want to take it back. I don't know if it was Serena Williams uh, explicitly, but I do know that that was a big... Um, Did it happen? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that they they, they successfully lobbied for, which is that, seems that ludicrous to me. That seems like a, like a not good outcome. Like in the same, if yes. female soccer players make more than male soccer players or make less than male soccer players or make the same as male soccer players, I think it should be based on the amount of money that they generate from fans that are willing to pay to see them. Yeah. And for tennis players. Well, this is the other thing. So I want, I'll throw in a wrinkle there. And I just, this was, my data is coming from Andrew Schultz. <laughs> okay. So yeah. take this with a grain of salt. But apparently the female soccer team years ago uh, had the option to be paid as a percentage of like viewership and this or to get a flat salary. And they chose to write a contract for flat salary. Then they won everything mm -hmm. and did the backwards math and calculated that they would have earned more. So they sued them, which is like and they lost because yes. they signed a contract. And they lost because they signed a contract. Um, but that's just the one wrinkle there is they would have been paid more than the men, except they opted for financial security. Sure. I'm just saying in anything, in any viewership based model, mm -hmm. getting paid based on the amount of views you generate makes total sense to me. Mm -hmm. This is like me suing iTunes because Joe Rogan gets more views than me and saying it's age discrimination. It's like, no, man, people just would rather listen to him at the moment. Well, it's, uh, the, the clearest example is perhaps sales, which is imagine that you had a sales floor and there's 50-50 men and women and imagine that on the sales floor, the men outsold the women mm -hmm. and that they made a higher commission rate and then the women then sued. Or you can imagine this in reverse, women, men, doesn't matter. Um, sued to say that there's gender discrimination because I can draw a line and on average women don't make as much without respect to what you're creating or providing because that's what entertainment is. It's a sales position. How many mm -hmm. people can I sell eyeballs wise and sponsorship wise and time wise? Uh, but yeah, so I was, I, uh, I disagreed. Yeah, <laughs> I disagreed. I, I also that. disagree. Cool. Uh, that was easy. There's, there's also, <laughs> but yeah, there's, I mean, it's funny. People, like, there are sales positions where men tend to outperform in that industry, but there's also like pharmaceutical sales, medical supplies, medical, medical baby. device sales. Yep. There's industries that you women can make crush hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, and the women tend to outperform the men. Yes. And it's like this makes sense. If doctors would rather buy from someone, mm -hmm. then we should pay the person that gets the most sales for the company. Yeah. Now, this obviously gets down a sticky slope and we don't have to go to it. We've gone too long. But like, what if you find that doctors buy more from a particular race? You know, what if you find that doctors buy more from a particular this? I don't I don't have the answers to these questions, but they are uh, fun little fun little rabbit holes to to go down. Because if you find for well, it instance, might depend on the doctor, though, certain doctors might buy more from black people. Certain doctors might buy more from white people. Mm -hmm. Yes. But let's say that on the whole, society is discriminatory such that uh doctors predominantly mm -hmm. unevenly want to buy from and just to mix well, things women. up yeah that well that that's that is well, what we, i mean this is the we, case and we allow it yes this and is, this well, is, well we are advocating to allow that riley reed is saying no you have to pay everyone even regardless of what the market wants it hmm. doesn't matter what the market wants if it's comparable work meaning you're showing up for roughly the same amount of hours forget your output because who cares uh we're going to pay you the same hmm. uh I tend, I, I've agreed with you thus far, is that we have to um, allow the market to do, to uh, decide the value of the salesperson that is that is there. Yeah, well, we talked about this. We don't have to beat it to death, but, or if you're going to divide by race and you're going to divide by gender, should we divide by IQ? Mm -hmm. Should we divide by height? Should we divide by other things? You mean equalize. You mean equalize by these sorts equalize. of things. Yeah, I'm saying yeah. if you're going to look at salespeople and you're going to say, well, on average, let's say black salespeople make 10% more than white salespeople. Mm -hmm. We don't like that. So we're going to take 
that 10% divided equally amongst white and black people. We're gonna we're gonna take some of the money from black salespeople and give it to white salespeople. It's like, mm-hmm. what if I find that people with 120 IQ sell more than people with 90 IQ? Yeah, you can't control Are it. Are you going to yeah. take that excess money and equalize it? Like it just seems like same thing occurs, and we mentioned this with uh, heterosexual versus homosexual. Homosexual men, on average, earn 10% more than than straight men do. Now, why? Could be could be correlated IQ. I hear that on average that they tend to be smarter. It could be any number of things. Um, do we equalize there? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, no, no, this, and this is my high. <laughs> this is really my high level thing. It's like, okay, if we're going to equalize, why have we picked this? Because I can think of other ways to equalize. And you'll get interesting answers when you find that. And what you tend to see is that it is, and we've talked about this, it's a power move. It's 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 somebody asserting for more for themselves, but well, not. Riley Reed is asserting more for uh, that's not a good, herself. Yeah, yeah. Riley, Riley Reed is saying that's a great point. That she said she should make less. Well, or she's saying men should make more and yeah, the owners should make I less. I don't think she'd be as into it if it came out of her pocket. If you went, okay, we have ten thousand dollars for talent. Normally you're gonna get eight. Or you're going to get eight and a half and he was going to get one. But don't worry. You're each going to get five. Yeah. See how willing she is. I'd to be curious. Do. Maybe with her current income, I don't think when she was starting out. That's not any diss on her. That's, I think, a completely reasonable stance to take. Yeah. Just to say, I am more valuable. Why am I subsidizing this person that is 10 times more replaceable than I am? Uh, I would back that decision completely. I live that decision in my business. Um but yeah. So anyway, questions, unless you have other no, stuff. No, we got, well, we got a couple things. One, we have another kind of a sponsor, but a Patreon, yeah. or a patron who we turned into a sponsor because this person uh, donated $300 to our Patreon and they own a business. It's our friend. Yes, this one is super exciting. It's our good buddy, Justin, who came in on Patreon, but he actually has a business called Kettle on Fire. They make bone broth. So you've been a huge drinker of bone broth, but what I know about it, and I actually just ordered some, is bone broth is super high density protein, really tasty. It's got a lot of micronutrients. So a lot of what is missed out when you get meat are those things that you see at the bottom of the nutrition facts that are incredibly helpful for muscle development and growth and all those sorts of things. So bone broth is very high density of that, super high density protein. And the thing that I like about it, as you, someone who's talked a lot about ethical meat, is that you are not contributing to the demand to kill a single animal. Most of the times when animals are killed, their meat is harvested and the bones are just given away. They're just thrown out. So I've talked to Justin who runs the company. He has assured me that every single can or every single box of bone broth has contributed zero to the sum total of chickens or cows that are being killed for it. And he will not do that. That is that is something that I think is very important to me, at least, uh, for as long as we as long as we advocate this. So check it out, kettleandfire.com slash Charlie and Ben, or if you go to Kettle and Fire, it's discount code CNB, and you've tasted it, so you can tell me something about how you drink it, what it does for you. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've been I've been buying Kettle and Fire out of pocket for years, mm-hmm. and I think it's great to to your point, especially given that I've stopped eating what I consider unethical forms of protein, but. I try to get a lot of protein in my diet. It's very nice to just be able to pour it into a cup, throw it in the microwave, throw some turmeric black pepper in there. I literally had it for breakfast today before the podcast. So uh, it's been part of my diet for years. Yeah. And by the way, turmeric and black pepper is anti-cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ben's crazy with the supplements and the anti-cancer. So this is part of his stack. I'm going to incorporate it. We appreciate you, Kettle and Fire. So please give him a check out. I'm going to also do the same thing. And I'm using the code. So <laughs> it's kettleandfire.com slash Charlie and I pay, I've been paying full price for <laughs> like years. Like an idiot. I don't even get a friends and family <laughs> discount. Um, no, no, but I'm great. stoked. I actually... Uh, 
I was telling, so I regularly just wake up, get on the computer, do this kind of stuff and eat my first meal at like 5 p.m. And that's it. And I watched a video of myself from 2017 and I had fucking muscle and, <laughs> and I didn't look so gaunt. <laughs> and I'm like, shit, I need to eat more. So this is going to be part of my increased protein because it's it's tough when you don't eat chicken and beef to get enough oh, yeah. protein. Um, so I'm excited for it and very excited to have him as a sponsor. I recommend the the chicken flavor and then also the chicken and mushroom flavor yep check them out let's do it cool first question is how do you guys draw the line between platonic and intimate interactions sometimes when i have a vulnerable conversation with a close guy friend or otherwise give attention to a friend i get a feeling that i'm being too intimate for friends despite neither of us being attracted to each other i'm always intimate 100 <laughs> percent intimacy all the time <laughs> so wait close guy friends that you're being too too intimate with them when you talk about feelings is that what I'm hearing? Mm -hmm. uh, I guess, how. and what was the question? How do I draw the line? So I, that's not where I draw my platonic line, just to be, my, yeah. my thinking is platonic versus sexual. Yes. So when I talk in a video I was and like, I talk about touch, I will talk about the importance of platonic universal touch. That isn't not intimate. It's not that a handshake is good and a hug is bad. I will hug my guy friends. I'm just saying don't do something sexual. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, to the extent that you feel comfortable having a conversation with a close friend about something that you consider intimate. Yeah. Sounds great. I would jack up the intimacy. I mean, as long as we're using it the same way, like you're intimate with your friends, with your mother, with your father, like you have close shared connection with them. Uh, that does not imply any sort of sexual interest. And I don't think your friends or family are necessarily confused by that. If you think that opening up to someone is an indicator of sexual interest, then I would encourage you to check that, investigate that, because I, that has not been true by any means in my experience or life. Yeah, I could imagine where initial intimacy without calibrating for someone you don't know well could maybe be weird, just in the sense that it's not always the most fun thing to talk about let's say like your past child abuse to well, a stranger but well, have you listened to ever to uh dak shepherd's podcast he's funny uh he talks about he's like yeah i go to parties and immediately just started talking about how i was molested because because that's the stuff that i'm interested yeah, yeah. in well no to be clear i think it can go well i'm just saying where could this go poorly imagine someone who's not as charming as dax yes and so i'm saying like this person has a concern yeah i'm not saying that you can't do it i think you can start talking i did this in craig ferguson people were like you can't just start talking about your sexual kinks it's like you can, but I'm not going to try to yeah. convince you in a YouTube comment yeah, that yeah. you can. Because you can. <laughs> the yeah. fact that you're... Craig can. You can. A lot of people can. So I'm not saying you can't start with intimate yeah. topics, but I'm thinking, how could this go wrong? Where does this question come from? Yeah. Maybe this person is scared that they're going to push people away by mm. being intimate. But I think if it's a, a person that you have spoken to before and consider a friend, I, can't, I struggle to imagine where it would be a bad thing to be intimate with a friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Let's keep doing it. Next is, hi, Ben and Charlie. I've been watching your videos and practicing being more charismatic for a while now, and I'm really happy with how far I've come so far. Nice. I'm yeah. social and outgoing when I'm prepared for it and have time to get into the proper mindset. However, there are times when I'm focused on myself and don't even consider talking to other people, like when I'm at the gym. A few times people have tried talking to me there, but I'm not as interesting or as witty as I'd like to be. Do you have any tips for quickly getting into a more sociable mood? Yes. So... The first thing that I would say doesn't answer your question, but it's totally cool to have times in your life. And you can decide whether this is one of them at the gym where you're just like, I'm not on at the gym. Like I'm at the gym to exercise. And if you happen to speak to me, it's just not the best 
time to to do that and to get the best version of me and I'm willing to miss out on connections or friendships that that might have been formed there because I'm I'm doing just fine in that arena and the gym is where I work out. That's totally cool. Uh presuming that you come down on the other side and you're like no, I've decided that I want to be more open at the gym. Uh I would say it's all about uh what is it called? Is it framing? Is it is this the thing you do preempting? Priming? Priming, priming. Yes, it's how you prime yourself. So, uh, headphones are the destroyer of of being charismatic. You put your headphone in. Imagine what that does. It locks you within your own skin suit. Like you're not talking to other people. You're not hearing them. That will destroy your priming. So what you can do is have one headphone in and listen to like loud, fun, excited music and bop around and be fun. But you need to connect somehow with the world. So don't have both headphones in. Uh, and then the other thing is be friendly with the person at the desk. Yeah, this is what I was going like, to say. People, the, I, turn it on when you need it. It is mm -hmm. definitely possible, but you can just give yourself an advantage by turning it on the second you walk into the gym. Mm -hmm. Especially if it's like, oh, there's this pretty girl at the gym I want to talk to, or oh, there's this guy that seems cool I want to be friends with. I would never make them the first person I spoke to in the hour. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't go 60 minutes without talking and then approach someone who I've decided I really want to be friends with yeah. or I've decided I'm really attracted to. I would start with whoever's around me, like working out on the bench. Hey, are you using this? Okay, yes, yes no, blah, blah, blah. Make a joke. Like, are you using this? No, thank God it's way too heavy for yeah. me or like something. And now I'm smiling. I'm laughing. Everyone in the gym is looking at me, having conversations, making other people laugh. Then when I go talk to them, it's just the natural occurrence of the gregarious person yeah. talking to the next person that they see versus if they see me with headphones frowning, walking around for an hour, not talking to anyone. And then I beeline it for them, take my headphones mm -hmm. out and try to talk to them. It's just a very different vibe. Mm -hmm. And the thing that is true in every scenario that Ben gave some Still examples work, of, by the way, but yeah, you could do it harder. It's way harder. Uh, is, is the random questions. I, when I moved to Costa Rica, I was like, where's the, where's this building where is a good restaurant so it's it's not forcing it too much but my guess is that if you're in quiet mode at the gym when you see a bench rather than ask the nearest person if they're using it or if they're seeing someone use it you like scope it out you try to get that info with your eyes and not by communicating mm -hmm. with another human so every time you have a question or a thought or a thing say it out loud is this guy moving this hey do you know a random i'm trying to find a fourth exercise for shoulders this is totally random do you know anything good and find the guy that looks like he does you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. you don't need to ask um but when you have a thought or a question to verbalize it and instead like what a lot of people do is like what is a good exercise for shoulders they, yeah. they try to answer the question oh, silently um don't do that and that'll get you in the mode of, of being outgoing yeah cool i would also say in the gym there are people who talk too loudly at the gym, but most everyone that I see who's trying to communicate at the gym is too quiet to be mm -hmm. charismatic, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. They're like whispering to the person, hey, is this, are you using this bench? And I think just coming in with yeah. a big smile and say, hey, what's up? Sorry, are you using this? No, okay, cool, awesome, thanks, man. Like, yeah. just get used to being okay, being overheard. And it's like a few more words than usual. Instead of like, thanks, you might be like, oh, appreciate it, dude. Like, I'll be back in just one minute to i'm just working out like a few more words that that gets you going so i think your argument that people have no choice in their trajectory and that it's only a product of their or their parents and their genetics is wrong there are tons of people who started with bad circumstances and rose to the upper levels of success and there are also tons of people who started off with every advantage and are not successful how do you account for this that's not an argument against determinism <laughs> uh, the argument would be that their parents 
despite being upper class and their genetics, despite being good, led them to there. Yes. You know, now I would like to not believe in determinism. I just haven't found a compelling argument against it. So I'm, I'm open-minded here. But the argument would be, it's not that being born poor keeps you poor, although it tends to. It's not that being born rich makes you happy. It's just that wherever someone ended up, it was like they were a pool ball on a pool table, except instead of having 15 pool balls or however many there are, there's a trillion atoms. Yeah. And so their downfall from trust fund baby to drug addict was preordained in a sense, unavoidable, yeah. given everything that has happened for millions of years leading up to it. Mm -hmm. That's the argument for determinism. It's not that you can't shift social Classes. status. Yeah. Yes. So uh, just I hope that that made sense and I'll try to even slow down what you said. So one example is the atomic level. So if you bump an atom into another atom, scientists can measure where it will go. Like if you bump a cue ball into another thing and if you do a break, that's more complicated, but it essentially is just a series of balls hitting other balls such that if you know the angle that the first one hit, you can predict where every single one will be. Okay, let's assume that that is true of the atoms in your body as well, right? And that the thoughts in your head are occurring, but they're not moving those, right? It's it's other things that are happening. So if we know where it was at the beginning of the Big Bang with a big enough computer, I can predict exactly where your body will be, what drugs will be inside of it, what dollar bills will be next to you 13 billion years later. That's the atomic um, lack of uh, free will argument. The other one is... Uh, you're assuming that we know directly what causes wealth, right? And clearly, one of the things that connects to it, as Ben said, is the financial position of your parents, the love that you received. Uh, but what we don't, what we can't account for is every single interaction that that person had throughout their whole life with every animal, creature, object, teacher, etc., that put them inexorably on a path towards whatever. Using their poverty and their rough childhood as fuel. As fuel. To motivate yeah. them to do something great or mm -hmm. create wealth or become successful. Yes. And so if this, if you find this unsatisfactory, what I really recommend rather than going into it because we've talked about it a lot is to read Free Will by Sam Harris. It's not very long. Um, and that will cover uh, a lot of the, the questions because essentially I'm not arguing that uh, rich parents create rich people or that you can't search. I'm arguing that there's no free will. Mm. that <laughs> and that that is even an even bigger claim than than the parents thing. and if you hate the arguments that you find so did i <laughs> <laughs> but uh i haven't yet heard why it's wrong mm -hmm. as much as i wish to and will yeah. continue to search too <laughs> well so and and one of the things that i'll ask you to do in that book is you can go okay well i could go um you know if i say pick one or two or pick right or left and you go Okay, I got it. Well, what made you pick right in this case? Was it all the time? Like, was that a free choice? Like, you could have said left, but what made you pick left? Well, yeah, I thought right. And then the fact that I thought right because I was told when I was little that I, you know, always fake fake once or twice, but I've played this game before. So I know it's so it was all the sum of your past experiences. And it's happening unconsciously. And it's and it's happening unconsciously. And even if you're conscious of it, that doesn't mean that you're controlling it. Like I'm I could be conscious of a movie screen and have no control over what happens on it. So even if you watch these mechanisms play out, um, what you will find is that free will almost just vanishes into thin air as you start to examine it and you imagine like the causal chain of why you're doing one thing versus another. 
Um, it is scary, man. It's not fun. <laughs> what else? I remember you guys have said body language plays a huge role in human interactions and can even so much as supersede a language barrier. But in times of all this online activity, it seems that I'm struggling with the semantics of words I use all the time. Do you have any sources that you use to become more eloquent in your everyday vocabulary? You know, I actually had a friend growing up who was like a walking thesaurus. He was incredibly good at knowing all the different ways to say something. And he would use really big words all the time to seem smart. And people really disliked him for it. <laughs> and so I would caution, I guess, or be pick a definition for eloquent that is going to get you the result that you want. Because I don't think the best thing to do is just pick the biggest word or even the most precise word every time. And so given that, I would just find people that you find charismatic and hang out with them or watch them on TV and you'll start to subconsciously adopt their language. I saw this when I would go to camp in the Midwest and I'd come back with a slight Midwest accent. Like you just can't help but osmosis the way people speak around you. That's why people from the same town tend to have the same kind of accent. Um, so that's what I would do. But I think that there's not necessarily virtue or additional charisma in eloquence in the sense of using the biggest word possible all the time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's good, but yeah, I did a video a while back. I think it's called Trump versus brand Donald Trump versus Russell brand uh, power of word choice. Check that out. I discuss Donald Trump's strategy versus Russell Brand's strategy where they're each useful and, and come to similar conclusions that yeah. Ben said. And what I would determine is what is your goal? Uh, there was a period of time, I don't do it anymore, where I every every sentence I said, I would try to switch throughout the day. I'd be like, okay, for the next hour, I'm going to do single syllable words. Really? Yeah. I didn't in, know this. In Medellin. Um, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to say everything I can with one to two syllable words max. Huh. And it's a, it's a good practice and to, then you'd switch to just as many syllables per word no as and then I was, and then I was like I just want to be precise now I'm going to try to to be as that's what uh, longer words allow you to do is they allow you to be more precise single syllable words like Donald Trump oh he's a strong guy it's like what do you mean he's strong like you know what I mean like like that that is such a and again here I go it's a it's an you could say amorphous or you could say broad right <laughs> and and they might have different ideas broad is limited amorphous is is not mm. so it, that can be a fun little game to play but more importantly i would just listen to funny people and pick up on funny word choices because as far as charisma matters i think you're better off listening to a theo vaughn who just has these funny turns of phrase that you could just steal and you'll see more bang for your buck in a charisma aspect mm. by just being like ah the dark arts <laughs> you yeah, know yeah, like yeah. just just steal his phrases they're not bigger or more precise but they're just funnier which yeah. i think counts for more i actually i saw this with a i got a massage the other day and it was interesting because the guy you know you, often people will just like make comments but the guy said you're built like a prize fighter which mm -hmm. i'd never heard before it was just a random word it's not like the biggest word yeah. or even the most precise word but it was just unique and i found it i liked him so much more than if he had used all of the words i've heard before yeah if that makes sense yeah so yeah it's funny because we teach that and i know that and i have tried to do that and i've seen that when i deliver compliments but this was just the one of the first times where someone had talked to me about myself in a way that was like something i hadn't heard before mm -hmm. and it was cool because immediately resonated with me it's like i like this person more and yeah. then i felt myself do that i was like oh damn it really mm -hmm. does work yeah specificity and compliments baby
Next is, isn't the fact that one is charismatic determined by the notion that one is better than the average person's level of charisma? So in this shrinking market where theoretically everyone is charismatic, doesn't this mean no one is charismatic? To me, it, rem it resembles the idea of etiquette. The guy who is smooth and tells great stories gets ahead because others like him can't. But if everyone is hypothetically charismatic, then charisma itself means nothing. Yeah. I understand the universal applicability of making people not feel shitty about themselves and having confidence, but not the universality of charisma. But you nailed it. I think confidence is uh, not a zero-sum game in the sense that everybody's confident. They all feel good. The world is better, and that's fantastic. But yeah, if, if everyone is Chris Pratt levels of funny, then who gets the job at Guardians of the Galaxy? <laughs> like, you got to be next level. So that's a, that's a fair point. I wonder what the is the takeaway and therefore don't Well, no, it, it? it was we were, I had mentioned at one point, I said at some point you want to have taught so many people what you can do that the market shrinks. And I think this was just coming up. Well, if you teach, uh, if you teach so many yes, people, will you will have will destroyed evolve. the value of charisma and it will evolve. Oh, it will evolve. Yeah, and if more people were, will if, need, yeah. If everyone were Chris Pratt, there would be something else that became it's a charisma arms charisma. race. Yeah, yeah, it's no, but it's ever evolving. Like yes. guys, someone will always be considered charismatic. Yeah. Humor would change. If everyone was like Chris Pratt. Suddenly, there'd have to be something. Well, this is. Yeah, I'm, I actually don't think we can like educate ourselves out of a job. So this is. I'm excited to talk. We're going to talk to Vosh in a week or two, uh, and he's, I think, very big into egalitarianism and equality. And there seems to be such like fundamental issues with equality, which is humans bucket, resist it, struggle against it mm. in every action that we take is to like stand above, be superior, distinguish ourselves, have advantages for ourselves, our loved ones and our children. Oh, I think it's pretty um, well established that making $100,000 in the neighborhood of people who make $70,000 mm -hmm. will make you happier than making a million dollars a year in the neighborhood, neighborhood of people million. that all make 10 million a year. Like you'll just look around in the smallest mansion with the worst luxury mm -hmm. car and feel inadequate versus well, that's, having like that's the his biggest... argument for egalitarianism is shrink the pyramid. I mean, I don't know that he would say this, but you could make the argument. Everyone has less, but we're closer together and better off for it. Well, yeah, well, I'll just talk to him. But what I'm saying is I think people will like as soon as you distribute it, let's say you took all of the money in the world and you aggregated it and then distribute it to every human on the planet equally. Humans would then immediately start to try to re- Trigger it, yeah. gain their lead yes. or to gain a new lead. Like everyone would be like, okay, we all just have 17,000 US dollars because yeah. we gave it to people in India, China, Russia, the US, and everyone has $17,000 assets cash. have been distributed. That's it. And everyone yeah. has the same size plot of land. Okay, now let's all just start. I think everyone would just be like, cool, let's start a race to see. Do you know how awesomely important charisma would be in that world? <laughs> do, you, do you realize that personality in that world, like obviously physical attributes are going to matter, yeah. but, but charisma is going to just jump to the front of the line because the first thing that people are going to try to do is who am I going to pair up with? Who am I going to sleep with? And <laughs> in that world, like, well, you're not going to flaunt your money. You're not going to flaunt your car. You yeah, can't yeah. flaunt your achievements or your ability to achieve because in this world, we're just going to take it from you at some point and give it to everybody else. So you better be hilarious. Yeah, but yeah. then what do we then do we try to there this is the thing can you create a world without have nots it seems that the, the the basic freedoms that we want are to create have nots and this is where i fall and i want to discuss it like so what you want to do is raise the floor because mm -hmm. you're going to have have nots what you would like for those have nots is to not starve to death not not be in in just ex, you know horrible suffering mm -hmm. but there's still going to be people that are not picked by a mate 
that are not liked by most, that are not all of these things. And you can't create a system as long as humans remain, uh, our consciousnesses haven't merged, that that seems to account for that. Yeah. I'm going to start that conversation with just questions. Just yeah, like, yeah. What's your... Let's, yeah, where okay. do you stand? Well, no, tell Like, okay, like, pick the system, set it up. Mm -hmm. How should things operate? Yeah. I, I've watched quite a bit, so I can I can give you some pointers before we get going, but yeah, it'll be fun. Well, no, because like my question is, okay, so let's say that everybody gets to 17,000 and then someone gets struck by an illness. And so then they had to use some of their 17,000. Do we redistribute again? Every, like everybody in the country or on the planet is all paying for that medical bill? Or is it just like, okay, you can't. Well, I don't think he's, I, first off, I don't think he's, he's redistributing 17,000, but I do think that. Um, I'm not saying he is. I just don't, under, I just don't understand like how mm -hmm. it works. Is it, is it reallocated minute by minute? for equal wealth? Like, is it once a year? There is a huge push towards equality of outcome. There's a, there is a large push for equality of outcome. And there is the belief that um, people who don't want, well, I don't know if this is the belief, but uh, that that's, that is the, the metric. You're either unequal or you're equal. So you get 100 grand, I get 100 grand. I spend a lot of my money on hookers and blow. You buy gym equipment and food and it turns out that i've spent way more than you so now you have 90 of your 100 left and i have 20 and you get are you am i just like okay like you go to a hospital no 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 just you have 90 grand in savings and i have 20 grand in savings Can, do am i like give me let's equalize like at the end of the week am i just like equal outcomes give I, well me. i think essentially and i don't know what he's going to say so we'll just talk to him but there are government programs that facilitate that yes Yes, that and well, there's not. So a, there's, there's from you again. There's never an initial leveling. To be clear, there's never an initial. You have a hundred. You have a hundred. But what there is consistently is, uh, well, I don't. I guess I don't. An know attempt to an attempt to lower the roof and raise the floor and bring people closer together. Is he pro socialism or pro communism? Socialism. Okay. Socialism. I'll watch his videos ahead of time. Yeah. So I know what his beliefs are. Yeah. Cool. And by the way, if any of you out there want to become very charismatic, you can check out Charisma University, which I highly recommend. Charisma University is a step-by-step -step curriculum with a daily action guide, so there's no guesswork when it comes to learning the charisma habits. You just follow the guide and you get the results in 30 days. There's also a 60-day refund period for any reason, which means that you can really decide if the course is worth it to you. And the best way to describe the course is just to let the members speak for themselves. The first one comes from a guy who got promoted to a senior position early in his career. And he says, I don't even have a bachelor diploma, yet they want me to fill this position. And when asked why, this was the answer. You have great social skills which is rare for an engineer. You can think quick on your feet and you are open and self-assured in your demeanor. Thank you so much for all that you've taught me. You have truly changed my life because without CU, I wouldn't have qualified for that position in a million lifetimes. Now, this next one comes from another person who started a new job saying, I wanted to let you know that I nailed those first days at work. Everything that I needed was right there at the right moment. The confidence, the energy, the smile, the positive mindset, and all with your tips from last Tuesday in mind, it could just not go wrong. And he finishes by saying, I just wanted to emphasize that what I did the previous days would not even have come to my mind if I had not discovered that charisma is a skill that can be learned thanks to your YouTube channel and university program. And this last one is a comment in the course from someone who used it mainly to improve their social and dating life. And he says, life-changing. In six weeks, I went from being socially awkward with few friends to the life of every event I attend. I also went from having serious girl problems to dating the girl of my dreams. Charisma University transformed me from a lonely introvert hoping to better connect with people 
people to an energy-filled extrovert who makes new friends everywhere I go. And there are more success stories just like those in the comments if you decide to join the course. It seems your guys' growth is catapulted by having each other to bounce ideas off and share experiences with. Do you think such growth is possible as a lone individual? For example, do you think you could have gone to Brazil off on your own individual will to change your surroundings, or was it only possible due to offloading some other courage with others in the group? More simply, is life a game that can be played adequately in single-player mode? Hmm. If not, how do you go about forming such deep bonds provided you don't have friends you've known for double-digit or even just five-plus years? Yeah, what do you think? Well, it definitely helps. I think it definitely helps. And one of the things that we did was build that community ourselves. We started out, I read the four hour work week. He said, you should please read this. We said, we're going to move to Brazil and start a business. Then we said it to everyone and we ended up with nine people that moved to Brazil with us. Yeah. One of them was someone I had spoken to for an hour. Yeah. So he moved to New York by himself. Charlie and I were teaching a class on how to talk to women, I think. And he paid to come to the class. So he's by himself in a new city, paying to go to meetups and classes that he's interested in. And afterwards comes up to us. We have a program that we offer, a coaching program, right? And he says, I have no interest in this, but I just paid to do this because I want to spend more time with you guys. So at that point, I'd spoken to him for three minutes, mm -hmm. right? He comes, he has that literally no interest in the program. So it doesn't bother like talking to any women, but just is kind of chatting with the other people that are there and chatting with you and I. And at the end, we say, hey, you wanted to come hang out. We didn't really get a chance to hang out because we were coaching so much. So do you want to go get food since you literally just paid us <laughs> to, to get to know us and you didn't yet? Talk to him and then was like, you seem awesome. You should come to Brazil. So that guy managed to jump into a community in about an hour. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely you don't need the double digit years of friendship. And, and the counterpoint to that is, I mean, Ben and I were best friends in high school, but we had a third friend who was very much like part of that group who opted out. I've known of, him since I was six. Yes. So I met Charlie mm -hmm. when I was 15. I met this guy when I was six. And the three of us were as close as friends could be yeah. at 23, 24, 25 when this started to happen. Yeah. And he opted out, mm -hmm. which is to say having that friend is neither a fully necessary thing as exemplified by your first example, nor is it sufficient to to make it happen. You've got to kind of you got to choose yeah. <laughs> to, to do these sorts of things. Yeah. And by the way, these things are, this is I think where you're headed is like, make the move declare that you're going to do something bold big you know teach the class move abroad whatever start talking about that and that will that will attract people to you and unfortunately we're still really good friends with this guy but like some people will not come along for the ride yeah but no i think i think having a community is incredibly helpful i was willing to move as long as i had just charlie moving with me i didn't need all nine but i don't know if i would have done it Mm -hmm. If it were just me, you know, who knows? So I, I understand completely where you're coming from. And I would say if I had an interest in doing that, quitting my job, moving to another country, starting a business, and I had no friends that were excited about it, one, I would try to take them on the path that got me excited. So rather than go and convince them myself, I'd be like, just please read the four hour work week. Yeah. And I would just, be, just try to get my 20 closest friends. Be like, I'm begging you. I'm putting all my goodwill on the line. Read this book. And then if all of them were disinterested, I would start going to meetups for entrepreneurs meetups for personal development, whatever it is that you're into and get around like-minded people and then start talking to them about how, oh yeah, right now I'm a consultant or right now I'm an accountant or right now I'm a plumber, but my dream is to quit my job at the end of the year. I'm going to, let's say it's, December. I'm going to quit my job at the end of 2021 and I'm going to move to Brazil. Mm -hmm. And I'd start going to every meetup and everything and I'd start saying that to people when, the, hey, what are you doing? This is my dream. This is my dream. And someone's 
eyes will light up. Someone will perk up. And there, that's your first potential person. Yeah. <laughs> See if you like them. If you get along, keep in touch with that person. That's how I would do it. I would just go to these like-minded meetings and I would just make sure everyone that I met that I hit it off with understood my goal was at the end of the year, move to Brazil to start a business. Or, or yeah. So actually, you one of the things that I was remembering is I probably wouldn't have gone to Brazil alone, but I would have gone to Indonesia. I remember, remember we were applying for scholarships mm -hmm. to this Indonesian college and I know that I went abroad alone. Um, so in reflection, I wouldn't have gone to a brand new city with no plan, with no friends, but what you might do if you're not there is like find a program and Ben's talking about meetups, but there's also these colleges that you can study at abroad and these oh, sort yeah, of various things. There's a program for entrepreneurs that travel the world together. It's meant to solve this problem. It's they group 30 people together and then you get a, you get a guide, a counselor, whatever you want to call it. But everyone's in their 20s, basically, and or maybe 20s and 30s. And you go from city to city together. So you'll go to Argentina for two weeks or a month. You'll go to Rio. Then you'll go to France. Then oh, you'll really? go. Yeah. This exists if you have the money. It's expensive, I bet. And it sounds like I'll have a lot of fun. But <laughs> Yeah. My sister almost worked there. Ah. I can try to get the name of it if you remind me, Justin. But if not, people should be able to Google this. Yeah. There is There are programs for nomadic entrepreneur dreams but you don't have the crew to do it. They give you the crew. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and then, and then you try to find the one person that is is like your bro or your, yeah. or your gal. Well, no, that's a good point because I don't know if I would have moved to Brazil by myself. But yeah, certainly if I had the money, pay 30 grand to go with 30 people mm -hmm. and travel the world. And yeah. I know they're all entrepreneurs and I'm not going to be alone. Yeah. So that's easy. Yeah, we yeah. do that. Yeah, we did that. I mean, there was a study abroad, you know? Yeah. And then you just got to build a business that can make you 30 grand. So you <laughs> Cool. That's it for normal questions. All right. Thank you, everybody. Unless we have a couple more now that we do for the podcast that we steal. But that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Let us know in the comments if anything we talked about was uh, stupid or fun <laughs> or interesting. And we'll keep going. Peace. Do we have a Patreon CTA we can just slap on the end? Or? Uh, I could say it if you want. Do you want me to say sure. thanks, everybody? Yeah. Thank you, everybody. This podcast is sponsored by, as we mentioned, Kettle and Fire. They're huge. Thank you so much, Justin and everyone at Kettle and Fire. That's kettleandfire.com slash Charlie and Ben or C ampersand B. That's important. It's Charlie and Ben, but with the ampersand, when you go to check out, you get a discount on your bone broth. Stay healthy. Keep the protein. But also, if you'd like to support us directly, consider joining Patreon. We're going to go answer a bunch of patron questions. We still answer them all. And that's what we're going to shoot right now. So if you'd like to join at any dollar amount, we can get your question answered. It's still... Yeah, then you don't have to be at the whim of Justin. <laughs> if Justin, you comment on YouTube, you can't cut you. you're at the whim of Justin. <laughs> but if you're a patron for our Patreon, then you get your question answered. Guaranteed. Yes. So if you'd like to join or just support the podcast, we we massively appreciate it. Yep. And uh, we're going to do... Yeah, thank you. You guys make this possible. Yeah, you're cool. So on to the patrons. Take care, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.